You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Tales with TR, episode 74. Good to be with you all this week. I've had an interesting week. Um, to say the least, you know. And before I go any further, I keep forgetting to mention this. But um, I'll be in Ontario. I'll be in Toronto November 4th to the 8th. And then in from the 8th. Of November till at least mid-December, I'll be in Sudbury um, uh, shooting a TV show. So um, if you're in the area, I was trying to think because I've had some emails and messages about books and whatnot. And there's a few from the Sudbury area. So like rather than me send one out to you guys and, and girls, um, just stay tuned and when i'm in sudbury i think i'm going to do a i don't know like i'm talking to some comedians from the area we're probably going to do like a show one night or it's very it's in its early stages but it's coming up pretty quick and i'm going to do something so if you're from that area i know a lot of you are uh, shoot me a note and that's toronto or sudbury and i'll probably be in ottawa as well at some point during and you know i'm going to try to do some kind of a public speech kind of stand-up comedy, maybe even a live podcast and, uh, you know, peddle some books, tell some stories, all that. And uh, I'll likely be with a couple of comedians. I bring them for support. It's much different when it's just me. It's uh, like, is this thing on? More pressure. Like Phil Kessel. I thrive uh, with when I'm, when I'm not, when I'm second, third fiddle, you know, I, I like comfortably going in. I always like the, the assistant captain captain's a little bit too much responsibility. I mean, I'm not saying I didn't take pride in being the captain on the teams I was, but assistant captain is a great gig. Just like, uh, doing a comedy show with Tyler Morrison or Michelle Shaughnessy, especially Jerry D. 
um, I, I had the opportunity to work with some great comedians and I never should have had it. So that chapter of my life, I'll, uh, I'll talk about more in a little bit with our guest, Boomer Phillips. Boomer, my guest today, I met him on the set of Letter Canning and he just cracked me up. Uh, I'll get into it, like, but we, we only did one scene there, but we, had, we spent the day together and he's buddies with one of my good buddies, my good pals, Ken Reed, who's, uh, you know, we got to get back on the show. People love when Ken comes on. I just hate repeating. I shouldn't say I hate repeating guests, but in my mind, I always think, you know, do people want to hear from someone again? But we always have great feedback when Ken comes on. And you know what? It's my show. So uh, I suppose, yeah, that, that's that. I don't suppose. It's my show. Dawson Mercer, congrats. Good Newfoundlander. First NHL goal. And he is dangling. I'm watching him. <laughs> He was, it was like a roller coaster his first game because he made, he, he took a penalty. I'm not, I'm not sure if I, I can't even, I didn't see the actual penalty, but I know they scored when he was in the box, which is not what you want in your first game. Um, and made a couple of iffy defensive plays, but was spectacular offensively. He had the puck, he was making passes. I mean, I know what it's like to be in that first NHL game and be nervous. And there's a lot going on. There's just a lot going on. It's hard to even concentrate. And he really fit in, man. And uh, he didn't. What I loved about it is that he made a couple of mistakes, but he bounced right back. And that is what experience can can, can help and, and can improve is those initial, you know, like the confidence part of it. And when I say a roller coaster, I mean, just he, he made some great plays and, and some bad plays, but overall, he made a lot more as the game went on. You could you could see him gaining confidence, and by the end of the game, he was he was flying. And then uh, game two, he scores a goal, two on one, and looked real solid. I think the future is bright. There you go. That's not much of a gamble, but I was proud. You know, you never know. I'm sure people thought I would play ten years. You know, um, but Dawson Mercer, great job. And the other thing, we got two. Those of you that aren't from Newfoundland, I know. A, I, I would bet probably half my listeners are from Newfoundland or have roots here, something like that. So, you know, there's also another young Newfoundlander, Alex Newhook, who's playing. And uh, he made the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, I think two games in, he got sent down. Now, don't be hitting the panic button, everybody locally. Now, I went through this myself, and I can tell you that people love to jump on situations and overreact happens everywhere especially when you're from a smaller place and every and you're and you're the talk you're the water cooler talk every day right every day so dawson mercer is playing as a regular yes on the devils new hooks down now in the minors but they knew that mckinnon was hurt and and uh anyway they had two roster spots at the beginning of the year mckinnon and somebody else and Alex is a centerman, man. And, and, and you know, there's, it's a lot of depth. It's Colorado. It's two different situations. Colorado are one of the odds-on teams to win the Stanley Cup. And New Jersey is one of the odds-on teams not to make the playoffs. Although they look pretty good the couple, first couple of games. But still, you know what I'm saying. So Dawson Mercer is in a completely different situation than Alex Newhook. So please don't be getting down on Alex. I mean, you hear it, right? You're all over town. I'm at the rink. 
and you think people are going to agree. They're like, I don't know if Noah got it by, or, or, or they think I'm going to agree because maybe I'd rather identify with someone that, you know, things, circumstances change and things don't work out because, because that's what happened to me. Not at all. Alex Newhook, Newhook is a fantastic player with an unbelievably bright future. He's one of the fastest players I've ever seen, honestly, at least from here. The fastest player to, from Newfoundland to this point that I'd seen was Ryan Power. Great fella. And, and he trains Alex, ironically, and uh, a lot of other players that go away. But uh, Alex is a bullet and an absolutely phenomenal kid. Both are, both are going to be great in the room. Um, exceptional offensive ability. I, I think they're a little bit different. Dawson, not altogether, but he kind of has Teddy Purcell tendencies. He's got those slick moves. He might be an inch taller. He's... Alex, not that he doesn't have moves, but he's he's an absolute bullet, a bullet and uh, real slick. When Alex gets motoring here and he gets confident, put it this way. If Alex played for the Alex was in the New Jersey organization, he'd be in the NHL, too. And that's also not a slight to Dawson. It's just, you know, two different players in two different situations. But uh, the common denominator being young, up and coming, fantastic Newfoundland slash Canadian hockey players that are going to do us proud by that. I mean, our, our, our province and our country for years to come and their organizations. I came across a lot of hockey players in my life. If I don't like somebody, I just won't bring it up. I just won't bring it up. I'm not going to sit here and try to throw daggers at, at players. I maybe have questions about their, their ability or their, their attitude or, or their, tendencies or whatever it would be, but I'm telling you right now that two of those kids are just unbelievable hockey players and unbelievable people. So as far as Alex goes, people be patient. Uh, and if they do go on a playoff run, Alex will be there just like he was last year. And uh, I have every bit of confidence that he'll do it again. Um, side note, last year, Alex made his debut in the NHL playoffs, which is totally different. Right. It's a totally different animal. And he did all right. And they know that it's 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 a team stacking up to win the cup. And, uh, you know, why rush a guy that's got 15 years ahead of him? Anyway, that's that. What else is up? So the uh, MLB playoffs entertaining. God, is it ever some wild, wild situations. But um I brought this up before and I'll bring it up again. And uh, a lot of people ask me this, these, these questions about analytics and whatnot. So uh, for those who listened to the last episode with no guest, I, I just kind of went on and answered some questions that I get, uh, whether it's through uh, instant messaging or, you know, I'm in a hockey dressing room every day. I've got hockey practice tonight. St. John's caps. One more year. Hashtag one more year. Practice at nine o'clock. Season starts next week. But, uh, you know, you hear the scuttlebutt. You hear people talking. And so I try to, you know, answer people's questions when I can. So I get a lot about analytics. Whatever the question might be, Terry, are you on the side of analytics or not? Which is a really odd question because... Analytics is, is really, like Jeff Merrick says, it, it's information. I, I, I get it from that point of view. And sometimes, like I've often said, like 
you know, shots on net analytics were always there. It's, it's the deep dive into analytics, right? You know, hits shots on net goals, assists, I mean, periods, you know, you're, what period you, you score in, you know, if, if you can score late game break, uh, game winning goals was always a stat. I mean, these things, that's a way of analyzing the game, essentially analytics. Hence, uh, but it's these deep dives. Okay. So baseball now, I, I think even though lost in all this excitement is, I think, I won't say something alarming, but baseball is kind of losing a lot of its personality for a game that, I mean, there's not many games that really stayed so similar over all those years. I mean, the, the, the dimensions of baseball stayed the same. It's still the basic ideas when Babe Ruth played. I guess that was when the last major, major changes, as opposed to hockey where, you know, the red line comes in and out. There was a rover. Goalies weren't used. It didn't used to be allowed to go down. Right. So, I mean, it's hard for me to, they were so different, like in the 1910s, that it's hard for me to take Cyclone Taylor and compare them. It's hard to compare eras anyway, but at least like, I don't know, Gretzky and McDavid, you could start to have that conversation because it's a similar game. It's different and the eras and the culture changed, but, you know, in, in hockey, there used to be seven players out there. A penalty shot used to be a slap shot or whatever shot from the hash marks. Um you know, the, from fighting and roughness, that's all part of part of the culture, I guess. And the culture changed. I'm not quite talking those kind of differences, but you know, the dimensions and the makeup and the play of the game and the the amount of games per season. Those are major things. If you want records to last and all these things, right? But here I am watching baseball, and so the, 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 uh, there's a lot of heat on the umpires, and. Uh, they're talking about bringing a, a robot in. And I find that odd too, because I mean, is that really going to solve the problem? Is at least with hockey offsides, I, I could take that or leave it though. All these stoppages, which is becoming normal. Um, calling a strike has to do with who's at the plate. There's different release points for each pitcher. If Jose Altuve, who's like five, five is at the plate. The strike's going is going to change. So, okay, now you're going to tell me the robot's going to change it. Yes. Now, what if he hugs the plate a little bit? The strike zone changes. I mean, you, you might say it shouldn't, but it does. And I think it should as a player who's been to bat. I'm an amateur baseball player, but I, I'm i just trying to so, – so it ends there, the comparisons with being a major leaguer. But I, I know what it's like to – to try to hit a fastball and a curveball at the national level. You know, I, I'm not a great player. But I'm sufficient on an all-star team. So, it, we're, we're, you know, I could be standing up in the box, back in the box, and, and to me, the strike zone changes, especially if someone comes up after me that's seven inches shorter. Um, anyway, that's and, and the and a curveball, some people have a better curveball or a slider, breaking ball, if you will, than others and the different release points. So wouldn't the strike zone change? You know, I'm just trying to look at it from the angle of a hitter. And if I see a left, and I don't like hitting against lefties, I, I bat right. But the ball comes in and I'm thinking, like if someone's like 6'5 and they're pitching, it's a lot different than if they're 5'11. And the angle of that ball, 
you know, the strike zone would change. And I think, I don't know. I think I'd feel better with the human doing it. And, and, and here's, here's my point. Well, part of it, um, you know, it was balls and strikes and people were flipping out, but at the end of the game, whoever it was, this was two nights ago. It was the uh, Dodgers game where they, uh, the Dodgers came back and won. They were like down five to one. So there was, I, I don't remember the, I've watched every minute of the playoffs, but I don't remember the exact situation. This has happened a few times so far. People are down on the ups, but anyway, he, he missed like 23 calls and people were flipping out, but I'm like, you know, some of those are inches, you know, and then how, what was it per team? And I think it was 12 for one team and 11 for the other. So it evens out, right? Like I, I hate to, it depends what way you look at it. I mean, you could, this is personal choice, but I, I just think like the game has been around so long. These guys are part of it to me. Like the umps are part of baseball and how many stories have happened in the, that create folklore to the game, you know, and the, the legends and Pee Wee Reese uh, facing whoever it might be, uh, Sandy Koufax and, 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 Joe DiMaggio nearly hitting it out of the Yankee stadium, you know, and, and Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth calling his shot, all these stories. And, uh, you know, there was, there was an umpire there to see it and call that. And even more directly, there's plays at the plate that um, who's the guy, Joe West, people hate him, <laughs> but, but, you know, he's a personality and it's a talking point. We're fans of the game. When I say people hate him, at, at least, I don't know, what are we here for? What, do we want to wait around and see a robot tell us technically what's right and wrong? I, I like that. That's, but that's the folklore of the game. Oh, you remember that guy a few years ago that fucked up the perfect game? I mean, that was unfortunate, but, <laughs> and it really was. But that's probably a good example. Yeah, perfect game that happens once in, a, once in five blue moons. But even so, it's a story. It was a human. After the game, they, they, they shook hands. This was a Yankee. I can't remember about five, six years ago. It was robbed of a perfect game on the last play. But here I am talking about it, right? Uh, to me, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sacrifice all those bad calls, quote unquote, for a robot. And, and we're starting to see pitchers are coming in, pitching one inning, starting pitchers so they can go right to the bullpen. No one's stealing bases other than Mookie Betts. <laughs> there's, there's a couple, but Ricky Henderson used to get like a hundred odd. Like, I, 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 I'm not trying to sound like my grandfather, but I, I, I realize I am. But I don't know with with a world that's going so robotic, and there's such a lack of empathy and, and emotion. And, and just quick thinking on both on political sides, man, just quick thinking. And I hate you and you hate me and go fuck yourself. And uh, climate change isn't real. And fuck you. You want abortion and all these issues that, you know, deep down as, as a group, we should talk about a little bit, right? We should be informed, but we shouldn't hate each other. And I find sports, I only watch to remove myself from that. I listen to music, I go to movies, and I play sports and watch them for an escape. And I'm sorry, but if I'm watching a robot make the call, it becomes less of an escape for me. Uh, 
I don't love the fact the Houston Astros cheated, but I was curious to see if they could back it up, and they are backing it up, and I'm less down on them. That's a story. Uh, I love the stories and the folklore behind baseball just as much as I love the statistics, and even the statistics would be affected. Um, you know, if you got different umpires, and good or bad, who knows? But I, I don't know. I, I see no problem with, to me, the, the umpire is as important as the center fielder. The center fielder drops the ball once in a while. Pitcher throws a wild pitch. Right? I'm all right with it. The ump generally knows where the strike zone is. If it's three and two and there's one on the corner, I don't swing. And it's like an inch uh, outside the strike zone. I still put it on me. Okay, you know, it's, it's coming in 90 miles an hour in the majors or more. And the guy throws you a sinker, a, 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 a perfectionist at his craft, a, a baseball pitcher that's been trained his whole life, you know, that can hit those corners like Steph Curry hits threes. And, uh, you know, I got to be ready to swing at anything around the zone. I know that the human element, I just love it. But in, anyway, and the, the other thing, these analytics. So I hear the other day, I'm really rambling, but I, there is a point to what I'm saying here. Um, at least I think there is. <coughs> analytics, it can just keep going. I could, there was, there was a game the other day. Okay. On, and with baseball and the, the announcers, I love, is it Joe Buck? Anyway. He's great. They're, they're, they're talking. And one of them says, well, you know, uh, whoever it might be, let's just use Mookie Betts, for example. And, you know, baseball is all, I mean, it's a lot of downtime. So the announcers have to have all stats. And I get that the announcers have that information and everything, right? So, and the analysts and just about everybody who's calling the game is going to be bringing up stats the whole, the entire time. But, one said, say, well, Mookie Betts, uh, you know, he hits. And it wasn't. It might have been Chris Taylor. It was someone that, like, it was glaring, like, on the road, say, on on the on the road, following a homestand, they batted, say, 500, whereas on the last game of a road trip, they batted, say, 200. And then he said, but on Sundays he bats 350 overall so today being a Sunday and the first game after their homestand he should be able to hit the ball well he should be able to see it today and I'm going like what are you talking about you could just keep going couldn't you couldn't you say on Sundays that there's a full moon well, he hits 800. Well, on Sundays, there's a full moon and there's a right-hander pitching. He hits 900. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, you, you could just follow that. I could say, well, Bernie Nichols, once the, once the L.A. Kings jerseys went silver and black, Bernie Nichols scored 70 goals. The year before, Bernie Nichols had 35. So clearly... Bernie Nichols plays better with silver and black jerseys. So let's put the silver and black jerseys on tonight because Bernie Nichols is more likely to score. Or 
I could say, well, Wayne Gretzky got traded from the Edmonton Oilers to the Los Angeles Kings. And that is what led to the jersey change. So Bernie Nichols, while he might love the black and silver jersey, he also was all of a sudden playing with Wayne Gretzky on his line, not Tom Chorsky. You know what I mean? And we could sit there and we could dissect it forever. And what's happening is that people are taking these analytics and Max Scherzer, I think I mentioned this before because it was about a month ago. Scherzer comes in, I think he had a no-hitter going in the sixth. If not, it wasn't the sixth, it was the seventh. And they look over to take him out because of analytics. They don't want anybody going through the lineup. Where you, heaven forbid you go through the lineup a third time. So they take the pitcher out and they just go with the bullpen, usually after two times through the lineup. If you don't watch baseball and you're still listening, I'm sorry I'm butchering this, but with all these analytics and, you know, you're going to play all these percentages, you're taking out the human element. And to me, my favorite athletes are ones that excel in that human element. Every, every, everything, whatever the human element is, the human condition, emotion, passion, with things that robots don't have, intuition, cognition, whatever you might want to call it. But if, if we go down this road, if you don't know Kirk Gibson when he hit the home run, and I believe it was in the World Series, or at least the division championship in about 88, torn knee ligaments. He, could, he couldn't get himself around the bases. He was limping. He gets put into the game late. That was a gut feeling Tommy Lasorda had. Analytics would have said, are you kidding me? You don't put someone with two uh, torn knee ligaments up to plate in the majors, up to, up to bat. But lo and behold, he did it. What does Nolan Ryan have? Nine no-hitters, I think. It's around there, the most ever. Well, in today's game, he might have none. Now, how would we ever know the next Nolan Ryan? I, I just... And why are we watching? I want to see someone go for the no-hitter. If it's a game I'm not generally invested in, if the Yankees or the Jays or a select few other teams aren't playing. I'm generally not interested. If I'm watching Minnesota play Baltimore in mid-May and there's a no-hitter going, I'm going to keep it on and watch the whole time. I love watching human achievement. I don't have to have a horse in the race. But if he, being whatever pitcher, gets pulled, I'm turning the game off. Now, that's me. I got to think there's more fans like me, though. And I think there's a lot of fans that don't realize what's happening. Not that I'm, I'm not punching down here. I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm saying it sometimes takes me by surprise. You got to sit back and look and and really think about all these rules and robotic, robotics and analytics. Uh, again, I know there's a place for it. I know there is. But let's not lose sight of the fact that there are people that reach deep inside and often have a gut feeling or are feeling in the zone 
or whatever it might be. Uh, if I don't know, either Kachuk, either one of those boys there, Brady or, or Matthew, Shea Weber, Brad Marchand, right? What if Marchand missed eight breakaways in a row, right? Using analytics, or he was on 10 power plays in a row, he was generally not doing it. Now, I'm thinking it's Brad fucking Marchand. He's going to eat the, eat the board soon. I'm thinking the odds go up with each shift he doesn't score and each breakaway he doesn't score. And if it's the if it the, the more important that time gets, if it's playoffs or if it's late in the game or it's tied or whatever it might be, or if we're up by one or down by one, I'm putting them out there and I'm going against all that fucking analytics bullshit. Of course, like Merrick says, it's all information. But man, let's not lose that. Let's not take for granted, okay? Let's not take for granted the desire and determination and passion that many, many athletes, not just hockey, many, many athletes play with, fight through, and become better because of it. Boomer Phillips coming right up. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everybody can play for huge cash prizes all season long in DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest, and that goes for you Canadians too. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is a genuine jack-of-all-trades and currently makes a living as an actor, comedian, and firefighter. He's appeared in various television commercials and dozens of TV shows, including A Handmaid's Tale and The Strain, and as a regular gig as Boomtown in the smash hit Letter Kenny, which, is, which has an ever-growing cult-like fan base worldwide. This graduate of Texas A&M Fire Academy is also a mechanical engineer and was a finalist in Yuck Yuck's Laugh-Off in Toronto. Folks, Maya Angelou once recommended living life to the fullest, and this fella is doing exactly that. The native of Sault Ste. Marie is a fine firefighter, a great guy, a charismatic Canadian, an amazing actor, a dynamite dude, a Sioux Superman, a Letterkenny legend. He enjoys the fall and has done it all. He's on TV, it's true, and he acts in movies too. Don't call me a liar, he also fights fires. We're talking on Zoom, and they also call him Boom. He did a scene with me, and he's got a degree. My, oh my, he's a real funny guy. He's got a hard shot and his girlfriend is hot. I like smoking weed and watching his Instagram feed. Folks, the Portland Trailblazers are led by Chauncey Billups. And my next guest is Boomer Phillips. Boomer, how the hell are you? Dude, that was great. <laughs> you deserve I, it. You know, if I got to correct you on some, though. Like, the, tell uh, me it's the mechanical engineering. Tell me oh, it's not. Yeah. yeah, I like my, my, my original agent put that up. I, it's not a mechanical engineering degree. I went to George Brown Community College 
took mechanical engineering, two-year diploma. That's what that is, tool oh. and die making. Let's get that straight out of the gate. Okay, good, good, good. And Four years for a two-year course because I needed <laughs> two more credits to graduate. But I knew if I graduated, I'd have to pay off my student loan. So I just kept signing up for night school courses and then just not going. And then one day they just sent me the diploma. I was like, fuck, I got to pay this thing. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Please tell me you mentioned that. Do you elaborate in your comedy act? Dude, I haven't done comedy in so long. But the fact that you, you brought that up, it made me think. Because like even the student loan, like I refused to pay a cent to that for at least four or five years. And they just <laughs> call it. They called every day, every day, every day. And I'm like, nope, didn't answer, didn't answer, didn't answer. And then a, a buddy of mine worked for a collection agency and he told me, he's like, hey, these collection agencies buy that student loan for a percentage and then they try to get as much as they can and they get the difference. So I found that out. That So every six months they're selling this thing. And I think I owed $21,000 with interest. Yeah. So when they first started, they're like, we want $21,000. We want $21,000. And they kept going for $21,000. But I know every time they sold it every six months, they buy it for cheaper. So eventually in like five years, I just said, fuck it. I'll give you five grand right now. You can never call me again. I want a full fucking printout, sign, everything. Did it. Five grand I paid for $21,000 student loan. They said, well, you'll never get a, uh, you'll never get credit for a house. You'll never own a house. I was like, whatever. At that time I was an Canadian actor. I'm like, I can't afford a fucking house. <laughs> sure enough, fucking when I went, I got on the job as a firefighter, ended up getting uh, applied for a mortgage. My mortgage, my credit was perfect. Holy shit. You know what? Everybody, don't pay your fucking loan, man. Do do my trick. This is episode 74, and that is the best opening story I've ever had. And that's the truth. You came right out of the gate with that. Absolute. Oh, you're breaking up. Okay. How about you're, now? You're, we're good now. Dude, if, if we could just teach your listeners... Anything to, anything to save a buck, you know, we won today. That's incredible. So so here, first of all, let's let's go back before that, because, I mean, we did a scene together. I've known you now a few years, mostly through Instagram because of the pandemic, which is unbelievably interesting. It's one of the best feeds there is. The stories actually I find Instagram a lot of times keeping up with social media overwhelming, especially when, you know, something might happen of significance and you're like, oh, fuck, I got to post it. Or if it's like. I don't know. Every day now, every week has something day. You know, it used to be bring your daughter to work day. Now it's like blue socks day. It's like, oh, and you feel God. like you always got to post. But I love I, I, I actually go to your feed for. Um, Me and the re- yeah, to, to, to just relax, to, to actually like I would throw on a, a comedy stand up special. I find it interesting. I find it funny. And anyway, but the backstory I'm not clear on. So you just you're, you're from Sault Ste. Marie. What were your loves growing up and how did you make it to Texas A&M in the fire academy? I know you okay. just explained the mechanical engineering, but take okay. us up to that point. All right. Well, my loves growing up. I'm glad you mentioned that. My first love who took my virginity. I was 16 years old. I've asked for it back. She still won't give it to me. <laughs> so I, I get it. But this girl ruined me so bad. But like and the thing in the Sioux, when you live in a hockey town and you were one of the sons of bitches who would roll into my small hockey towns. Yeah, like Cornell. Yeah, you just steal all the fucking girlfriends. Yeah. So this is how it worked. From fucking about May to about August, you get a summer girlfriend. And then come August, training camp happens for all you major junior hockey players. Yeah. 
you fuckers roll in, steal all the fucking girls, and then we don't have a girlfriend until about May the next year. Let me get our girlfriends back when you guys leave town. This girl, the one who stole my virginity, she fucking ruined me, and she slept with like six greyhounds. Oh, like a, a good a good percentage of the greyhounds, me and being it, like a brokenhearted sixteen year old, I'm like, I'll I'll take you back. I'll give you one last shot. Ah, uh, in front of and then then just you, it's just the worst. It's worse for you than it is for her. And you got to uh, wear that egg on your face, and your it's your first first like bout with like love or those feelings that you don't really know what's going on, and even though it's mostly lust and it's embarrassment and humiliation. Dude, yeah, it's, it's your it's your little 16-year-old ego getting just absolutely destroyed. And these girls, like, no, I'm not all of them. I'm not saying, like, the, all girls are like that. But, like, the, the puck bunnies, they're, they're looking to get out of that small Canadian town. And a nice high draft pick is their way to go. Yep. You know? hey, and, and it happens. It happens. Oh, 100%. Um, I, know, I know what you mean, though, rolling in. Yeah, and there was often animosity. In Canada, it's one thing. In, in Tri-Cities, they really didn't like us. We didn't get along with... And it was part of that. And yeah, hey, you know what? I can I can kind of I never really thought about that, Boomer. I never thought about it. And the more you say it, I'm, I'm I hate to be part of that group. But yeah, you're right. Everybody would roll in and everything would change. And all oh, of a sudden. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you had no idea. You're just like, why are all these guys mad at me? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I never really thought about it that way until you just said it. So you were, like, you were like Johnny Be Good. Remember the movie Johnny Be Good? Oh, yes. Yeah. Larry always had like all the girls. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Be Good. Wow. That's a blast from the past. That faded into anonymity. Um, but like, for me, I was always told you just work a job. Doesn't matter if you like it. You just go out there and you get it. You know what I mean? And so like I went to my guidance counselor when I was 17 and everybody else in the class, because when you're graduating, you have a meeting with your guidance counselor and they're about to tell you like, you know, this is where you should go. And nobody else in the class knew what they wanted to do. Me, I was like, I want to be a firefighter and I want to be an actor because I had heard that a firefighter has a lot of time off that they could pursue other dreams. And there's yeah. like a lot of guys, contractors, this, that. Isn't it like, one off, one day on, three days off or am I wrong? It varies. It varies, yeah, okay and stuff but yeah that was my goal I was like I want to get on a fire department and then I want to be an actor and so I, I walked into that guidance counselor and they're like do you know what you want to be and I was like yes I know exactly what I want to be I want to be a firefighter and then I want to be an actor and they're like yeah yeah that's not going to happen the competition's way too tough like 2,500 people apply for like two spots on the fire department and acting's way worse so uh, is there anything else and I remember like uh, my uncle told me uh Tool and die making, you make 80 grand out of college. That's what you want to do. So I, I, I said, tool and die making? And he's like, that's what you want to do, kid. So I signed up for tool and die making. No went, way. Yeah, I went down to Toronto. First day in, like the machine shop, I'm like scraping this metal thing. I'm like, this is what the fuck I signed up for. I'm like, this oh. is horrific. So hence the, the story of like the, the four-year program for the two-year course. I don't want to do this shit. Yada, yada, yada. Things move on. I work at a bar. I work different jobs, you know, patient transfer, uh, valet parking at the Four Seasons, just any job like to get by. And then I was working as a garbage man because it helped getting on the fire. Oh, sorry. I went, I saved up money to go to Texas to go to, it was a three month fire program. And they huh. said, everybody was like, you know what? You go to the best fire school in the world. You come out, you'll get a job. <laughs> Bullshit. I had yeah. applied. I was applying for like five years at the time probably applied to like 15 cities maybe 
And I was working as a garbage man because they, I heard garbage man is a great, you get your DZ truck driving license skills, you work your city, you work as a team and it's manual labor. So it's a bunch of checks mm-hmm. on the fire uh, application. And I remember I was 27 years old and I was reading a paper, the Toronto Star, and it was about all these rock stars that died at 27. Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, Shannon, like you could just, they go off forever. Yeah. Like it's the curse of 27. And I started crying thinking like, holy shit, these guys are 27 years old and they fucked up their dream because of drugs or booze or whatever the hell they were. But at least they tried. And I'm sitting in my garbage truck. I'm 27 years old. I haven't even tried my dream. Yes, I'm applying for fire and I'm trying that, but I'm not getting any success. Like I got to at least try this comedy and acting thing. And so I fucking, (laughs) I was bawling my eyes up. It's like 6 a.m. in a a fucking garbage truck yard. And I'm like... I grab my stuff. I grab my lunch. I go into the office. I'm like, I want to leave of absence. And they're like, what? I'm like, I want to leave of absence. I'm going to fuck. I'm so depressed. I'm so sad. Like 27 years old. They're like, all right, we'll give you a three month leave of absence. I'm like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to be an actor. Uh, <laughs> and they laugh. They're like, what? They're laughing their asses off. So fucking, yeah, I leave the yard that night. I go up at fucking yuck yucks. Cause I was doing like open mics here and there, but now I'm like, fuck, I don't have a job. I got to fucking go hard. So I went to like, I went, what to do you Yacht- mean open mics here and there? You just started doing it out of nowhere. Yeah. I just, well, okay. the thing was, I saw this, <laughs> this is fun. I, when I was going to the garbage place, I had to catch a bus at 5.00 AM to like catch a bus to a van yeah. where they drive you out like an employment agency. And they, drove, they drive you like a, a, a fucking hour and a half out to the garbage place. And every morning I saw this girl smoking hot girl, and she was wearing like a roots jacket, but it had like Argentina on the back. Cause this is like 2006. That was like, they were making all kinds of different things for like world cup or I don't know. And so I called her the 5am Bloor Bathurst Argentinian bus princess in my head. But I was like, how do I talk to this girl? Like, I'm so fucking nervous because like, she's a smoke show and I'm a garbage man. So like, <laughs> I go and I do stand up. And all I do is talk about having a crush on this girl at the bus stop and like all these little things, like how I see her every morning, yada, yada, yada. And so I, I, I edited it up and I put it on a VHS tape, fucking VHS tape. Unbelievable. Like, and there was DVD then, but my stupid garbage man brain, I put a VHS tape and I wrote at the end. I'm like, if you thought that was funny and you want to do something sometime, give me a show. And so I fucking... Oh. I go to the bus stop. I'm like, hey, you like comedy? Or I'm like, hey, like I finally muster up enough courage. I'm like, uh, hey, uh, I'm ready to say something. She's like, and she's anticipating. She's smiling, like fucking ask me out or something. I'm like, uh, hey, do you know what time the bus comes at? That's the only thing that comes out. Do you looks- know what time the bus comes? it's been the last three months i've seen you every day i'm like that's that's what came up you finally had your chance and that's what came out of your mouth hole that's all i had i'm like oh i'm like do you you like do you like comedy she's like yeah i love comedy and i'm just like my head's down i'm just fucking like holding up this vhs tape (laughs) she takes it you know she leaves i never see her again and then a week later at 5 a.m my phone rings or yeah, yeah, yeah. My phone rings. So I'm like, I answer nobody. Like they hang up and it's 5am, 5am Lord Bathurst, Argentinian bus princess. So I fucking call back and it's, it's the girl. It's like, Hey, leave a message. 
and me, the fucking stupid 20. Oh, no. You started oh, running oh, off at the mouth. Messages. <laughs> oh, yeah. You leave I, one and then you regret it. Is that what I happened? Up this poor girl's voicemail fucking like 10 times. She probably thought I was a psycho. She finally sent me one of those direct voicemails where you don't actually have to call me. It just sends. And it's like, hey, I must have called you by accident. Uh, I hope that clears things up. And it was just like, Whoa. oh, my God, Whoa. what a dagger. But that got me into the comedy. So I started doing stand up. And then when I quit my garbage man job, I just went balls out in the comedy. And I went to every agency in the city because I watched a Rocky a Stallone video where he's like, I just went to every fucking agency twice, three times until one took me on. Yeah. So I went to the original Rocky. I know that story. Yeah. Yeah, so I went to like 30 fucking agencies in the city, like two, three times. And then one finally took me on and he only took me on because he happened to move into the house. His parents bought the house beside me in Sault Ste. Marie. I had already left because I just dropped Sault Ste. Marie. What are that is what are the chances on that? That's what he said. He's like, he's like, hold up. Did you say Sault Ste. Marie? Because I said, oh, I got to go back and visit the folks. And you're in Toronto just. Yeah, we're wheeling around Toronto, and, and you run into this guy. You want he, he's an agent; he can help you out. And he happens to be have a place in Sault Ste. Marie, close to your parents. His parents bought the house directly beside my parents in the suit. So Dude, it was like I, I had a meeting with his agency beforehand. But when I went and sat down and had we were having the face to face, I said that, and he's like, "Hold up, what number was your house?" I was like, "27." He's like, "Dude, mine was 25." I'm. My parents are directly beside your parents. And he's like, I got to take you on. It's fucking fate. Like, this is, you know, this doesn't happen. And sure enough, literally, first audition, boom, booked a U.S. national. So that was enough money to get me, you know, six months of, like, six months yeah. of garbage. But, least, yeah, you know. bought you some uh, comfort zone. And before I quit garbage, I told my mom two weeks in advance because I knew she'd fucking lose her shit because her mentality was like, you think I like my job? I don't give a shit. I just work it. That's what you're doing. And it's not their fault. That's the way they were brought up, you know? But like Rudy, fucking he put it in my mind, like, hey, no, you got to go for your dream and shit. So like I told her two months in advance and then fuck, she's like, you grow up, you go back to that garbage man and you beg that job. You beg for that. Like you're 27 years old. You buy a house, get married, have kids. Like, yeah. you know, the, the typical fucking bullshit. And I was like, no, no way, Ma, I'm not doing it. <laughs> like, yeah. hung up on the phone. And then when I called her back, I'm like, Mom, I booked a U.S. National, my first gig. I got six months worth of garbage money. And within one year, <laughs> one year leaving that garbage, like, like leaving crime, I, had, I was a regular on Much Music. I had my own show on YTV. I had a reoccurring role on a W Network show. I had booked like 10, 12, like national commercials. So I was making more money. Like, yeah. by no means was I rich. But it was more money than I've ever seen being a fucking garbage man and a ballet parker. And it was just it was just taking that first step. It was just like, holy fuck, if I didn't try. That's why I tell everybody, I'm like, what's your dream? Whatever you have, go for it. Don't fucking sit around and keep talking about it. All you got to do is the first step. And I swear that the universe will put that together for you. What? That's wild. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm seeing, honestly, there's... I love your passion. There's a lot of parallels. I've been in that position a few times and I, I'm the same way. Say, go for it. I, I almost, I took a few jobs here over the years, like nine to five and not to put that down, but no. I felt like, I don't know, giving, I just felt that I had more to give. I wanted to try. And I'm like, you know, I have a chance. I, I, 
made some decent connections. Like I can, a lot of it fell into my lap. Not saying I'm (laughs) like financially like uh, well off. Like I'm not trying to be elitist. I'm just saying it. There was a lot of struggles, but over the years, I I, I tend to take the chance. I felt almost soulless. I was like, man, I, I was almost feel, I hated myself for not, for not doing it. I, I remember when Jerry D asked me to do stand up comedy. And by the way, that's something. So I was kind of forced into it. He gave me the opportunity and he said, tell one of those stories out of the book. And I was like, you know, and that's when I had to look in the mirror. I talked to myself. I was like, you, you're, you're at first I said no. And I'm like, Jerry D, he's offering me to open for him. I'm not a stand up comedian, but he likes it. He wanted to talk, right? He wanted the option to book and talk. So I said, sure. He goes, you want to open for me? I'm, I'm out first gig out in uh, GM Center in Oshawa. I did one. I tried at Yuck Yucks once the night before. But I, there, there's questions I got. So you got up. I, I did it almost involuntarily. When I got up there and I told the story, I had a few shots of rum, half a joint. I was like, I got to do this. And I just I treated it like the back of the bus telling the boys a story. Um, I, 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 I got to go with some great people. Uh, Ken Reed's bro, uh, Michelle Shaughnessy, Tyler Morrison. Yeah. And I, I have a huge respect for you because you, you, you know, I was kind of not forced in, but I was given this opportunity and I went for it. I don't know that I would have. I think I would have tried the acting, but you got up on that stage. I, I kind of identify because I was up there for the first time again, almost against my will. How did it feel? I, that's one of the things I find hard to put into words. People say, and I'm like, you know, my first NHL game was one thing, my first time on camera, but it's totally different. I don't know if I've ever felt more naked in my life than sure. like, when I'm up on that stage for the first time. How did you approach it and how did you deal with it? Your first experience is entirely different than mine. Like yeah. you started literally like, it's like you, pl- you, you never playing a junior or a minor league hockey yeah. game and being thrown into the NHL. You're like, yes. oh, fuck. Like that doesn't happen. It was overwhelming. You know? No, yeah. You don't start out your first gig a Friday night sold out at Yuck Yucks and your second gig's the fucking GM place in Oshawa. Like yeah. that, that doesn't I happen. I, like that's literally you're literally the only person that happens and not and yeah and and like not even really a comedian and it, to be, before we even go further like i'm not sure that everybody enjoyed that like there was people going what the fuck like i should be and i was going yeah but you know we're, we're working on this but i did i felt the heat like i felt like a rookie that didn't pick up the pucks that just expects to be on the first line and i and i you know i i was very you know i'm saying it bothered me for like a week and then i was like you know you jump on your opportunities but anyway sort of cut you off yeah, you got to like you got to develop like the skin to go into a crowd like that because oh. you know, like, the 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 awkwardness of when like nobody laughs like a joke here and there. You just people like I still don't have that. But like there's guys like Jason like my buddy Jason Rouse or even Corbin or a bunch of guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm going up and testing a joke and if it doesn't laugh, they're just comfortable being up there. Dude, so, we we would go to these people. we went to one. Remember the Fort Mac wildfire? So we were doing a fundraiser. And Jerry D got up on stage and he didn't even, he was the headline, obviously it's Jerry. I mean, he was playing down in yuck yucks, but anyway, we're in there and Jerry didn't even use anything. He just bantered with the crowd for an hour. And it just, it was fucking wild. Like he didn't use any of his act. Yeah. That's the thing when you're comfortable and they just, and that's what like, uh, when you listen to Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle and stuff, when they're t- like, you listen to their podcast, they just talk about going up and doing shows. Like, oh, I just went up. I ate shit for fucking 20 minutes. It was awesome. I'm like, that's not awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's fucking, that's horrific to a normal person. Like I, the thought like bombing, 
I bombed one time so bad because my first year I was, I was doing well. I was getting a lot of traction. And so I got invited to the cream of comedy 2007. It's like the best of the newcomers in the Toronto yeah, yeah. area. I've heard of that. And <laughs> so I go up and it's literally the who's who of Canadian television. The agents are all there in this room. And I fucking like the same act I was destroyed. Well, not destroyed, but did great the night before. I ate shit for five minutes straight so bad that like my buddy saw like the president of the comedy network, just like, Oh my God, <laughs> like so disgusted. <laughs> and like, I remember comics looking at me when I came on stage, like, dude, what the fuck happened? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It was the same fucking thing. But if I would have yeah. quit and two weeks later, I signed with much music. You know what I mean? So you just got to take those yeah. fucking ass kickings and keep moving. Like you said, how you, you said it fucked you up for about a week. <laughs> Yeah. You think about it, you know, you're like, oh, what? Because it, it'll smash your ego hard. You got to be. I think if there's anything, I mean, most people know him. I mean, my son went fucking first round pick, right? All these expectations, you know, and, and a very disappointing end to that whole hockey story. But like, I, I, I really I shouldn't say disappointing when it comes to games. My God, I got great friends. Hockey's the vehicle. I'm happy. I just mean I started from that. I had to deal with that when I was 20. So now. I really think that helped in the long. Okay, I just ran for council. I got pulverized. I don't care. I had a chance. Yeah. I nearly got in. It would have been a good paycheck. I would have. But a lot of people, that's their number one reason they don't want to get in, is or they don't try because they don't want to be embarrassed publicly. And I'm like, God, that's water off a duck's back. I don't even think about it. That was a what two weeks ago. But yeah, and I I don't know that if I didn't take those chances early on, that it wouldn't be so much part of my DNA like it is yours. And you you fall, and then then life gets monotonous. Rejection and failure, it, it's the best. There's no, got to embrace it. Once you embrace failing, you it's nothing. It's like, ah, whatever. Whereas some people are like, oh, that was bad. I'm, ne I'm never going to do that again. But if you, if you, had, I remember when I, I got into acting because I had been applying for fire departments, I had applied to like 15, 20 fire departments at the time. They're like, well, can you take rejection? I'm like, come on. But like, it's nothing. You know what's great is that, and after you do it, it helped me with everything. And it helped me be more like empathetic and sympathetic of someone. Sometimes if I was like, cause, cause you know, when, when you deal with all that, you're absorbing so much emotion that at least in my experience, it kind of made me, I don't know what's a word without sounding cliche, but it definitely made me more a complete person to deal with other things. And um, it made me more content with my own self. Yeah. Even if, you know what I mean? And as time goes on, that's a great trait to have. Right. And I hope it rubs off on my daughter. It seems to be. I mean, I didn't want her getting into <laughs> acting. I hope it does. It seems to be. She's a complete failure. <laughs> uh, well, like, well, no, you're right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like, she's a fucking joke. No, she's just nothing like I wanted. No, 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 no. Um, put it this way. Like the number one fear for people that age is like getting up in public speaking. So they're all trying yeah. to do that now and they're giving them a penny lane where she's gone to audition and she it's it's nothing. It's it's water off a duck's back. So I think that will help her. Uh even not that I even push her, but she, it's like me being around my dad. I played hockey. I mean, he's coaching a junior team. I'm there all the time. She'll come to set with me. She knows the wardrobe girls. She gets to know the directors. And it's not a big deal for her to be in there and watch. Hey, action. So and she gets up to us, does her own. She's an actor. Right. And I think if, if I'm seeing anything as a parent, she's only 11, but she takes the bull by the horns in soccer. She's a leader. She'll get everybody together. She'll spin. It's all due to, you know, 
conquering that fear early on of getting up in front of people, which is she's a little star, man. Like she's stunning. Like she's gonna grow up and she could be like a leading woman, man. Like just keep keep her at it. She knows that the well that everything we're saying, she knows that the sky's the limit and you've got to try. And that's why people ask me, how did the election go? I'm like, not great. You know, I, I got pulverized, but I did get a couple of thousand votes. And my daughter, my daughter and I went to most houses in Mount Pearl. We knocked on the door. And I think there's umpteen lessons to come from that. Um, it's, and but it's not failing if you learn one thing from it. That's it. If you learn one thing from that rejection or that failure. You're educating yourself. You're building yourself. So the next time you go try, you've already eliminated that. It's like acting. I didn't even know what block or what uh, a slate was <laughs> in the audition. Like, I, like you know, like, I, yeah, I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll be fine when this agent <laughs> took me under his wings. Like, yeah, he started sending me out. My first audition, they're like, all right, slate. <laughs> I'm like, they're like name, name an agent. I'm like, oh. Oh, okay. Uh, but Boomer Phillips, Heinz management or whatever, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, I know. I've, I've, I've actually been there. Yep. I was a few years. I was thinking I was 33 or 34. You know what I've learned? Little trick, little acting trick. Hmm. So I, my goal, like the young bloods in the background there. Yeah. I love it. Like I was never a good hockey player. I wasn't blessed. Like when I was 12, when you were 12, you were fucking going off playing junior. You know what I mean? Like when I was 12, I was on the fourth line that they let me out every once in a while. <laughs> up like four or five goals. This is house league. You know, you seem to know a lot about the game, though. You must have always been a fan and played. Well, the thing is, I, I kept because of Youngblood. My dad took me to go watch Youngblood. And uh, he he had heard the story how uh, Rob Lowe didn't know how to skate. Yeah. Two weeks or a month before filming Youngblood. And because of camera tricks and that, they could make you look like a fucking superstar. It's incredible. So I was like, well, that's it. I want to be in a hockey movie. My goal, like I have a, I have a little bingo card of roles I want to play, you know, like uh, hockey player. That was, that's been on there for years and I could never get it. Uh, <laughs> soldier. I want to be a soldier. I just want to say, you know, like birds in the air, fire in the hole, lock and load, maybe yeah. do this. I don't even know what that fucking means. <laughs> You know what I mean? But getting back to the fucking hockey, like that's that's where it started. I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep playing hockey. So I played like all the way up till I was like 18. So you couldn't play anymore. And then I was once I finally got into acting at 27, my goal was to get in a hockey movie. So the first few I applied and I auditioned for, they always ask uh, when, during your slate, height, name and uh, previous hockey experience. So I was telling like uh, played hockey for 18 years, finished with high school hockey. They didn't, I, I would never even get a call back. But once I started lying in the slate, and this is what I was getting back to, lie in your fucking slates. <laughs> I like, love this. I, like Goon 2, uh, I had Boomer Phillips, six foot one, 225 pounds, played major junior for Sault Ste. Marie and some wow. pro in Europe. Like a simple Google search will fucking show you you're not on there. But, you know what I mean? But fucking, and once I started doing that, Boom, I'm getting the callbacks. Like, and, like, and you can skate and everything. You're backing it up. You're showing up. Yeah. You've seen me skate. Like, I could skate. Like, yeah, I've yeah. done, I did the Red Bull crash dice with fucking much music. Like, I, I could, I could stand. I, I have hands of shit. You know what I mean? But if you need me to take a shot and make it look like I could shoot and then get the other shot going in the net later. Of yeah. course. Yeah. 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 Perfectly more than enough for a hockey movie. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But that's what I started doing. Like, he, like a basket. I played a basketball player. And it was just like, ah, Boomer Phillips, George Brown Community College, Varsity Basketball. <laughs> uh, I'm going for a cop. 
that's I, I became a, I played a cop two, three times now just by saying Jeff Phillips, first class constable with the Toronto Police Services, like always lie in your slate. All you actors out there. Well, not, not only that, always act. You, you're acting before you're acting. Dude, I'm method acting. That's yeah. all that. I think I'm a fucking cop. The the um, Red Bull crash dice. I was a Red Bull rep for a couple of years. That was one of those jobs that I, I said I, I just I get nothing have- against Red Bull or the nine to five, but I, I felt soulless. But anyway, I did it. That must and- have been fun. At least you probably got to do shit. Like a, that's a great promo gig. It was. Yeah, I was the territory manager for Newfoundland. I was a sales rep and then I was the territory manager. Yeah, it was pretty good. But here in Newfoundland, anyway, a lot of the perks downtown were like, you know, free beers for the reps and stuff, you know, and not that not that that's liquor, but you know what I mean? It's in all the bars. I I don't know. It was in. Yeah, it was comfortable and it was uh, the perks weren't really helping me with my life. But anyway, I look, look, I was just bored, though. I wanted to do everything we're talking about. I didn't really know. That's not that you asked, but that's when I went back to school and I ended up with a folklore degree. I didn't know really know what I was going to do, but I went in. I got a folklore English degree. I went in to do teaching and I thought about it, man. And that's why I called. Not that you asked again. My story is very similar. I called Alan Hawko, who's Jake Doyle on Republic of Doyle. He's a very accomplished actor now for a lot of shows, but that was his major thing here. And his first he was living in Kensington Market in Toronto till that point. Came home and got that going, was, became a major show. And it was in like season four. And I was just in the dressing room. We play hockey together. He'd take me to a tournament in Toronto every year called Summit of Arts, Exclaim Cup. And we would go out. It was all artists, you know, from the art, everything from music to film. Gowan? Does Gowan play in that? Yeah. Dave Bedini and, and Jim Cuddy yeah. would play out every. Yeah. yeah. Gowan does play in that. Yeah, so, I- <laughs> uh, it's a laugh. I figured you, you probably come across it. So. That was it. I would go and he'd go, hey, we'd, we'll give you some background to it so you can play on our team, be a ringer. And it was kind of a joke. And then I talked my way into locations. I did that for three years. Like I was cleaning toilets. And you know what locations is? I was doing that. Not, not that it's only that, but it's locking up. It's, it's you know, jump how high. It's get me this, First get me that. Last one to leave type yeah, right. 15 hours. It's uh, and, and very thankless work. But I did that. I, and I, I wanted to, I talked my way into some stunts. And then I didn't even realize that that was getting me towards Actra. And uh, anyway, Jason Momoa came over. Lucky enough, I got a role. Please have mercy. I'm on Frontier. My three words got me into the union. Anyway, that's how I got in. But it was all... Dude, yeah. I've read like fucking three books in my life and two of them were yours. Well, I really appreciate it. I really do. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And it, it, today, more than ever, there's ways to spend your time. There's so many ways. So for anybody to old school, get my book and actually read it. Because uh, a lot of people don't do that anymore. I appreciate it. And if you did, you must have realized there's lots of parallels. When I talk to you, I'm like, wow, man, like there are many men coming at it from different angles. But um, there are, are many of the, the same theme. Small Listen, town, before I always tell Peter Anthony, small town, East Coast, like Peter and Kenny. Yeah. Small town, East Coast and small town, Northern Ontario. When you leave Toronto and go that way, you turn into the same person. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, so it's it's the same. It's I, very I similar. Have, I should crack. Sorry. I've read like five books. Three were Kenny's and two were yours. You're so like the only books I've read were my buddies. And you know what they are? They're good like shitter books because they like those hockey card stories. They last. Yeah, they last 10 minutes, right? Yeah, it's the perfect bathroom material. That's what I started doing, too. I started yeah. judging. the. I was like, man, I don't want to. And even the long ones, like I chop up into little bits because I'm like, man, it's going to be a lot easier for people to read it. I don't know what it is, if it's something about the human psyche, but you see a chapter that's like three pages, like, okay, I'm all in. But if it's like war and peace, you're like, fuck, you almost like, oh, I got it. 
Dude, I, I could not sit through a novel. I need autobiographies or how-tos, but like you give me Lord of the Rings or some holy fuck, that would take me like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I'd be like, nope. You know what I find hard with those type of books is remembering everything. Like <gasps> you can't put it down for more than three days because you pick it up and you're like, yeah. you're the lingo and you're like, where are they again? Which mountain and which sorcerer and wait, didn't that wizard already like I really get confused. It might be OCD. I don't know. Um, you read the WHA book. Yeah, my dad played in the WHA. Oh, yeah. As you know. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the it's Rebel so League. Good man. Oh, oh the Rebel League. Favorite books I've ever read. It's great. You know what's great? Dad played for the Minnesota Fighting Saints, so 72, 73, and he would tell me these stories. And I'm not saying I didn't believe it, but they sounded almost mythical. And, and you know, there was, I knew there was a little bit of truth to them, but I'm like, come on, they didn't have glass board. Like, come on, they didn't do this. They didn't play in a burn for the first three games. And, and, and uh, yeah, all of a sudden, they're all, yeah, it's, it's worse. Like, you ever watch the movie Big Fish? Yeah, I love it. Your dad's like big fish for hockey. He is at the end. It all comes the Rebel that, League. Like, holy fuck, dad's for real. By the way, before we started this, we only talked for five minutes for those out there when he when uh, Boomer referred to Rudy a second ago. He's talking about Rudy Rudiger. So Rudy, that movie and Big Fish, they make me I I tear up every I can't I, I cannot watch those movies and not tear up. I don't want to give it away. I'm assuming people, these are all decades old now, but just I can't believe you brought up Big Fish is what I'm trying to say, because that's another one that's buried. People forget about it. What oh, a movie. Dude, that fucking there's certain movies that ruin me, like just got it. Field of Dreams when he's hey, oh, dad, yeah. I'm have a game of catch. <laughs> I know. Full on fucking a mess. Uh, Big Fish, uh, Rudy, like when the when the dad's like, that's my son. That's my son. Is <laughs> it's over. Yeah, it's over. It's oh. over. It's over. I got to be on my own. I got to, my daughter watch that with me. And you know, I try to keep her inspired. And I'm like, yeah, last year, I'm like, she's probably old enough. And I'm like, God, I can't, I can't not break down. And when they carry him off and oh. you know, the last player to be, or the, the, the only player to be carried off Notre Dame, I'm going, oh my God, just waterfalls. Can't stop it. Goosebumps all over me. Tissues. <laughs> And then and then we find out that fucking Joe Montana, he go, he goes off in an interview and tells us it's all bullshit. Just you know, I, like I heard that. that it's just it just played it all down. I choose I choose to look at it. And you know what? He, you can look at that pessimistically or, or, or cynically, but the glass is half full. To me, there's enough of the story that that rings true. That's inspiring enough. I mean, look at Rudy Rudiger, where he came from. He got his degree. He actually went onto that field. I don't give a fuck what Joe Montana says. And why do that? What an asshole. Well, the thing is like movies gave me my motivation as a kid. Like I was saying earlier, like I love my family. I love my parents, but they grew up in a different time. They grew up in a time where you get a job that even if you don't like it and you have a kid and you buy a house and you do all that shit. Whereas like, I didn't have that positive, you know, motivation yeah. and that outlook like how you are instilling in your daughter which is fantastic so i had to use fucking movies like rudy when i watched rudy i was like holy shit anything's possible like Anything. uh, yeah. rocky i was like oh wow this is a guy who came from nothing and can do something so i used that shit like that was my legit motivation so when i found out when joe montana came out, i was like yeah rudy didn't actually get the sack the guy kind of tripped and when we carried him off the field it was more of a joke i was like oh <laughs> Yeah. It was devastating. It's devastating. Um, you know what's funny? We have that in common as well. Like I break down more at inspirational movies. I mean, I mean, I could watch Schindler's List. I'm not saying I don't. It's terrible. It's a story. 
but I, I'm almost crying. I'm disappointed. It's it, it, there's not as much. I don't know. It's devastating to me, but it's almost leaves me like blah. But these movies that we're talking about, I, 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 it's something in the DNA. There's some, there's some connection to why you and I have gone for things. And, and we also be, again, Rudy resonates with me too. surprise, but it's something about that. Right. I, and I don't know what it is about your psyche, but maybe it's for your therapist or mine. But that, that's very interesting that you find those movies so inspirational because you're a passionate person and you're actually your life is almost like a microcosm of all that anyway. You know, and so you are in, picking up on that as we move ahead. A lot of people are going to want to hear about and, and know about Letterkenny. When I put that out there yesterday, I had dozens of messages. Who's Boomer Phillips? Oh, oh, that's who you're one of those guys. They see your face, but you don't often do a deep dive on a second or third lead or a guest or whatever it is or a guy in a commercial. But once they see your face. So everybody wanted to know about Letterkenny. How did that come about? You, oh, you were in multiple episodes, uh, rather your recurring role, to say the least, I think. I don't know. I, I've watched the whole thing. I counted a dozen or so. So tell us how, how it went about. Jared threw me a bone, man. Like I owe everything to that guy. Like he's so smart and funny. And that's, you want to talk about motivation that right there. Like I watched one of his W five stories or something where, you know, he went down LA, didn't want to do that grind, you know, cause you see tons of like Canadian actors up here are doing really well. You save a bunch of money. Then you go down to the States and you blow all your savings trying to get in that, that yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know, and it's like, I am such a fan of guys believing in themselves, like how we were talking with motivation and creating their own content. And that's the way you got to do it. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, they, they did Goodwill yeah. Hunting. Stallone did Rocky. Uh, John Favreau, Vince Vaughn wrote Swingers. Uh, yeah. the, Owen, the Wilson brothers did Bottle Rockets. That's your best way to get in. You know, and he did it. He wrote those little Letterkenny sketches. He invested his own money and shot that. And he got Letterkenny going. And dude, it was awesome. Like when I had the audition, I auditioned for uh, Yorkie. Because oh, yeah. it was originally just two players. It was Yorkie and Barts. And was it Boomtown in the script when they gave it to you? Or oh, did that come about because you're oh, Boom? Okay. Boomtown, they, they wrote in Fisky, Boomtown, and uh, Schultzy. Because okay. I guess all five, Jared said that all five of us did such a good uh, audition that he wanted to bring us all in. And so he, he ended up writing roles for us, which That's is good. like, he didn't have to do that. And fucking, I apologize. Like I may have dropped my fucking uh, lying in the slate thing, <laughs> you know, or it's like, <laughs> but at the same time, I had just finished Goon. I played, I did two other hockey movies beforehand. Like I could, I could skate and make Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. It would but be different if you got out there. I wasn't <laughs> expecting, you never expect to book it, you know? So I do feel bad for lying and stuff, but at the same time, like he's such a fucking great guy. And I, it's just like, you do those little white lies just to, because you want it. You want, you want to be on that part, you know, like there's a difference I think between lying with something that, you know, you could pull off than like, I'd never lie. Like, uh, yeah, hang gliding. Oh, yeah, fuck. <laughs> I'm not going to hang glide. No. And on top of that, you're lying, but you're you, know, you, you you're almost. I don't want to say exaggerate. You are lying, but you're, you're coming clean immediately after you're, you're not. Your your goal isn't to be malicious. It's just to say, look, like, just get me in there and I can do it. I have confidence, but I can do this. I'm yeah. going to tweak the truth to get myself there. But it's not like you stick with it. And years later, we find out that, oh, my goodness, you know. 
this oh, huge, you know, there's a major thing here. Oh, he was a woman all along. He, you know, he, well, if you looked on Hockey Database, you would never find a Boomer Phillips. <laughs> there is not an ounce. There's not one point of me playing any professional hockey. But that's like, what's he, great about the name Boomer, because people just assume, well, it's got to be another Phillips, of which there are thousands. I was named after Boom Boom Jeffrey on the hockey player. Really? My yeah, my dad was like, oh, I want to name him Boom Boom, Boomer. And my mom was like, I'm not naming him Boomer. Great I'll name. Jeffrey, like from Boom Boom Jeffrey on. Yeah. So my, my mom's like, yeah. So we named myself, we named myself. Wait, wait, we named. <laughs> I was named Jeffrey, but my dad just kept calling me Boom Boom and Boomer. So it just, it ended up sticking. But back to the uh, letter, Kenny. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't even supposed to, uh, Boomtown wasn't in the original script. And then I remember I was, I was sending him messages on Twitter and stuff like DMing. And he was like, hey, uh, Boomtown's got a significant bigger role in the second season. I was like, oh, my God, thank you. Like, I, like he fucking helped me out so much, man. Well, that's great. I, I assume that's the thing. When I, when I went up, and I think it was season eight where we did that scene, that came out of nowhere for me, too. I didn't expect much. And I figured maybe I'd, I think I sent something in. Someone gave me the heads up. The, the, the no tooth always hurts or always helps, sorry. And, you know, being a hockey player and being from Newfoundland, I figured it, it felt like a bit of a layup. Um, not not a guarantee that I was going to do it. But like it, for me, it, it was the only thing that ever came right down the middle. But I didn't realize till I got there that he was behind all that. Like he had casting reach out because I was on Spitting Chicklets like three weeks before it. Ah. And and Jared apparently was listening. He told me all this when we had lunch up there the first day because I was like, I oh, got- how did I, you know, I know I fit the bill. I'm not saying I don't. I wasn't confident. But how did I? How did you guys even know I'm over in Newfoundland just taking parts locally and driving over and, you know, I'm answering a phone. Hey, is Don there? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing one day things. But anyway, it worked Wait. out. And when I got up there, what I found now, I was only there for two days. OK, two yeah. things, two things. Correct me if I'm wrong. I found that great, like a very it felt like a real team, like there was it was laid back. No pressure at all. It was it was really a joy to do. And maybe that was my over eagerness to do. I was the first time I was ever flown in anywhere to actually play a role like I, I was an act. I felt like an actual actor. But I don't know if you realize, dude, you guys all left. I was there. Everybody took off. That was rap party day. So I was coming back the next morning at six and I went out and I, I went on a whirlwind like I was still out. I had to make my fl- flight the next day. I didn't get home to the hotel till my plane was leaving. And I, 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 when I'm there, I'm going to be able to. Well, I'm not saying that I'm going back to do Letterkenny. I'm going to be in Sudbury and go visit. You know, I'm going to see people yeah. that I, and I don't know names or anything, but we had a crazy night. I'll tell you about it when I see you. But yeah, I didn't awesome. I didn't know where I was. I, I was the first one. We went to the bowling alley and I went over there. I sat down, I was, I felt, and I had a lot of things going on. I was like, I'm going to go out and have a drink. Now they invited me to the rap party. I had a buddy, Jeff Circa, I played hockey with, went over to his place first, and I showed up there at the bowling alley at seven. I sat right next to the jukebox. I loaded it up with $20, and then everybody started showing up. I knew nobody. Anyway, telling stories like this, we went outside. There was some kind of a party bus kind of thing that came and picked us up, and I went into Sudbury. I I would say I woke up, but I, I didn't even I woke up in the hotel. I went to bed at like six or seven. I went to a house party and then people had YouTube and they were breaking out videos. And I told them I played on the Habs. And then it was just this whole crazy night that we'll get into. <laughs> I remember that because I remember I say I, I stayed in because it was like a 14, 16 hour day on set that day on skates. Yeah. So I was fucking done. Yeah, I had so a like, two hour day. <laughs> 
ah. And so like, yeah, we went, I went back to bed and then I texted you the next day because I was listening because you told me about the spit and chicklets episode. Yeah. Crying. I was driving back from Sudbury to Toronto, crying, listening to these stories. <laughs> Holy fuck, this is amazing. So I sent you a text. And you're like, dude, I'm just getting in. I'm like, holy fuck. Like, I remember <laughs> you sent me the text like, hey, I'm just leaving to go to the bowling alley. I was like, you just got in now? Oh, yeah, it was a whirlwind. And I was, and it was like, it, it was the perfect storm because I was pumped, you know, and, and there's something. I mean, I was pumped before it. I love that anticipation. And, and, and but, you know, afterwards, I felt a, there was a sense of accomplishment and euphoria and I had some drinks. And I was just feeling awesome and then things were going well at home. So anyway, I, I, it was an unbelievable time. Point being, I felt a real, real huge sense of camaraderie on that set. And I was only there for two days. Oh, dude, they're like, I'm, I'm not a big role on it at all either. But that that crew and their fan, like, they're so nice. Because usually, you know, you've been on other sets. You go in as like a one day or a two day or a few day. Like, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody. You're there to say your line and fuck off. You know, yeah. like that's and you think like you're you're all happy when you go on a set. You're like, right on, I got booked, and we're gonna hang out and talk. Nobody talks to you. Nobody fucking. There's your there's your trailer. Fucking speak when spoken to, and that's yeah, it. exactly. Go out, Better go out, it. go out early. Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, I'm all right. Why are you out of your trailer? Go yeah. go back. We'll we'll come get you when the time is, when the time hey, comes. Fucking cage monkey. We don't want to talk. <laughs> yeah. to you. But letter King is completely different. They're all everybody's like, hey, how's it going? Blah blah blah. Like it's. And that goes to show you, like, that's Jared's nature. You know, like, he's fucking just such a good guy. Um, and, like, even going back to your spit and chiclet, sorry for interrupting. Like, no, you know. Remember how you were saying you were eating lunch with Jared? And, like, how did you know me? Because yeah. he was the spit and chiclets. It's crazy how, in this business, just certain little things. Like, just throw yourself up. Like, me giving that videotape to the girl at the bus stop, me going up and doing stand-up just so I could have an, I have a reason to give that videotape to the girl at the bus stop. <laughs> I fucking <laughs> I love ball into the thing. I forgot to tell you one year later, I was at the much music video awards. I get a tap on my shoulder. Who is it? The 5am blur back. No. Swear to God. And it was like a full circle like, holy fuck. How did you find she, yourself in her company again in Toronto, the third biggest city in North America? It she, sounds like it's someone's backyard, man. You're, oh, Sault Ste. Marie, sure, it's my neighbor. Oh, there's the girl. Like, what? At, at, the, at the video awards. Like, someone, like, the thing I used to wish I could go to, now because I had quit my garbage man job and pursued my dream, now I was at this place, and the girl who I had this crush on was tapping me on the shoulder like, hey. And she's like, I watched the tape. And I was like, oh, God. Because I know the stand-up was just awful, too. I'm like, oh. And it was just awkward. Like, yeah, I gave her a VHS tape at a bus stop. But she's like, it was really funny and sweet. She's like, I had a boyfriend. That's why, you know, I never, I'm like. So then I started thinking, like, who's that girl that I fucking called thinking it was her and blew up her fucking voicemail? Oh, but yeah, it, it was so bizarre that... Yeah, she ended up just, and it was just like a real good, like mutual, like, it was almost full circle, where it's like, hey, thanks, good to see you. And she's like, I'm Maya. I'm like, oh, I'm actually Jeff, blah, blah, blah. We started talking five minutes. She went off her thing. She went on, but it was just like, it was like. It's a nice little anecdote with a happy ending. It was a little package in your life that, you know, both of you can walk away from and smirk. And why are we on earth in the first place? I don't like the girl. I don't want the girl. But just the fact that like, she was kind of the reason why I started doing stand up, And because of that, I ended up, 
fuck not that i'm fucking anything you know what i, I mean know, but it's, I'm, I'm living my dream you know i'm pers- like yeah you're living your dream you just look there's um I, I have no idea i don't want to talk wealth or riches but i really do believe like part of being wealthy is having that if you if you really want that term i take it as you know emotionally and you know if you're satis- satisfied with what you're you're, you're doing yeah, then wealth, wealth yeah. has nothing to do with monetary value in your bank account so I silly think- yeah wealthy and being rich and that that comes to do with happiness happy happy there waking up and going to a job you absolutely love like even like me like acting i'm being rejected and failing 99 percent of the times but i like doing the audition like to me like most a lot of actors like oh fuck i got an audition it's like i'm like oh yeah i got an audition like i'll never say like even like going to the fire hall it's like oh like when you hear people like not happy with their lives and their career they always say i gotta go to work i'm like i get to go to work like it's completely different i get to go to work today like i hear you and once you change that mindset it's fucking those first few auditions that i went to i was nervous and then after that i know i liked it and i like i like after the feedback because i'm like i'm never going to get better it's not like i'm playing hockey every day and over the course of a year, my, my wrist shot gets a bit better. I, I don't get a chance to be acting. So, like, I love yeah. the interaction afterwards because these people are casting agents, casting directors. They know they're, they're, they're that for a reason. They're professional at, at, at acting and knowing exactly your flaws and what you're doing yeah. to a point. So who better to talk to? So after them, I'd be like, OK, like, what should I have done there? And sometimes yeah. it's like. Oh, Terry, if you want, if you want to really get there, you got to breathe, breathe. And I'm like, oh my God, breathe like little things. And I'm like, I never would have thought that. Like I, and I would rush through. I'd like, if I, if, if I read this monologue, I would just say it all. And and they're like, no, no, sometimes you can pause. And I'm going, of course, like, and it's, it's all seems so easy, but each and every time I come out of it, like Jerry D says, record your show. And each time I do, that's the only way you're going to get better is if you actually you know, hear the reaction. It's, it's black and white, right? Oh, this worked. And sometimes something will be right in the middle, like a little caveat you didn't even really think about it. And, and, and you're like, okay, hmm, that got a little bit of a laugh. Okay. I'll describe that again. You know, that's how it works. That's how it works. Uh, listen, I haven't talked much about the firefighting. So, so you're a firefighter as we speak, right? Yeah. I don't okay. want to talk about like the, the, the specifics, like the city or anything, just because, we live in a canceled culture, very warm yeah. world where people like I could have said something in our conversation, jovially laughing. And so I'm offended. I'm sending multiple emails to this guy's fire department until he's fired. It's like yeah. I try to separate the, the whole two. Like, that's why I went with Boomer Phillips for TV and uh, like my name and stuff, because how I told you I was applying for fire departments before I, I, I tried the dream. Of yeah. Nothing. You know, so I I'm Jeff Phillips. That's my real name. Yeah. So when I was, I knew that because of doing the much music, like, dude, I did stuff on much music. That's just heinous. You know, I'm farting on girls' heads and doing this. So if the fire department, which they do, yeah. will Google your name and do like a background check, they won't find anything on Boomer Phillips or on yeah. Jeff Phillips. So yeah, yeah, they yeah. Google Boomer Phillips, like, I'm not hiring this guy. So no, I know I, I, I had a job to directly. It, it was comical, but I, I directly got fired because of it. I get the cancel culture. And every yeah. once in a while I'm on here and, and, and you know, and it's, it's, it's all semantics. It's wording. Cause I know where I stand on things. You know, where you stand on things, 
but it's often just pick the wrong word. Like earlier I was talking to you and I said, oh, it's not like I'll find out. Oh, he was a woman all along. That might get me an email. But I, I, I just meant the opposite of you. I just meant like, yo, he was a Martian. Or, but I said that I don't mean to offend your trans community. None of that. I just watched the Dave Chappelle thing. I find it hard on comedians. I very I, I, I heard all the I watched it I'm like, geez, I, I think. There's a connection. He's being honest. But anyway, I find it hard on a comedian. Yeah, but my question, my my question was um, with the firefighting. Yeah, I don't want to do a deep dive. But do you feel schizophrenic at times? Those are two di- completely different lines of work. And one does not lead into the other. There are parallels. It helps to be able to work on a team like and, and to solve problems and be a leader. And of course, all that. But there's no direct correlation between firefighting and acting uh, or, or all of the above comedy. So. So other than the things I said, so are you, you know, do you feel like two different people at times? Like, how do you keep all that in check? I feel like I feel schizophrenic and like two different people every day. (laughs) That has nothing to do with the fire department or acting. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, I love my job. I absolutely love it. You know, for the first five years I worked at, I worked at busy halls in the downtown core of the city. And then the last five years I got, I'm at a quiet hall now. And now that I'm getting older, I'm 43 years old, 37 on the internet. Mm. But, you know, I'm, get, I'm getting older and I, I, I kind of like the quiet hall and stuff. So like it, when the bell goes off and you're on scene, you're a professional, you know, you're doing the job, you're in the public eye, but at the hall, oh my God, like the guys at the hall, they're funnier than any comedians I've ever met. You know, like if I'm sitting down having a beer with my comedian friends and some of the, my comedian friends are the best in the country. Yeah. You know, but I'm having a beer with my, some of the firefighter friends, the stories those fucking fire guys have far outweigh the comedy of the comedy lives. It's like, thank it's you. Thank real. you. you know, I've like often, you, yeah. Like your hockey, your hockey team, like your hockey players, the stories you get from there will be funnier than any of the fucking comics. Yeah, and then then they'll often go, it's like people around here that say they're not musicians yet, like around the bay, and you'll go and they'll have like banjos and guitars and like ugly stare. They'll say, no, I'm not an artist. And I'll go, oh my God, what what are you talking about? You play three instruments and you just created this clay, whatever it is, you know, folk art. And I'm like, no, you. and it's just like that with that. When you said the firefighter hall, fire hall, yeah, I assume it's the same as a dressing room. And not only that, you, you know how many how obvious the parallels are. Do you know the PHPA? So there's the NHL uh, Players Association. But then there's the Professional Hockey Players Association if, if you don't get a game. And, and, and that, they, they pay for your schooling if you want to be a firefighter. So, I, really? yeah, they do. That's why there's a lot now come, that started when I came out and I actually went through it. I didn't like the heights at all. I went to, I went to school and then I got a few opportunities, so I chose another path. But Mark Tobin played with Sidney Crosby. Um, third rounder or his first rounder and uh, played with Providence in the A. He, he just became a firefighter here. James Melindy, captain of the East of the Growlers, Newfoundland Growlers East Coast League team playing tonight in upstate New York. He's a firefighter as we speak, as oh, we speak. Sure. And he's it's, playing it's in the East Coast League for fire for uh, hockey, hockey and firefighters. They just go right in. They go right in. So and a lot of it is that dressing room talk and everything. And I'll often say to guys, I'm like, Dude, like you got to you, you find a microphone somewhere like just unbelievable and perfectionist storytellers, you know, because you got all that downtime. 
So no one's going to open their mouth if it's not interesting because you'll get shit on from everybody else, right? You'll get your balls busted. So over time, there's these unbelievable stories and anecdotes that usually lead, you know, there's a common denominator. To me, those are the best times with, with sports or work or anything. And no surprise that uh, that common denominator exists. Okay, listen, I've had you for... Sorry for interrupting, but like some of the fire stories I've seen and heard are some of the funniest things I've ever like experienced. You know, like I remember one time we were at a fire and, you know, the chief's given the directives like pump one, do a primary search of the first floor, uh, engine four, get to the second floor, work on a primary, ladder five, get on the roof, do vertical ventilation. And this guy, like one of the neighbors is trying to hit the chief like, uh, excuse me, excuse me. And the chief's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, uh, get over there and do this. And the, the guy's like, I tried to wake them up. I tried to get them out of the house. And the chief's like, yeah, 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 whatever. And he's like, so they wouldn't answer the door. So I, I, I threw the barbecue bottle through the front window. And the chief's like, oh, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? The guy literally picked up a barbecue bottle trying to, like, wake up the, the house that's on fire. And in his mind, it's the right thing to do. The windows will smash and will wake everyone up. Threw a propane bottle, calls it a barbecue bottle. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> the chief's like, urgent, urgent, urgent. There is a propane bottle on the first floor. <laughs> like It's just like the shit you see like that. It's like, you can't write that. You can't. That is incredible. And, and you, you know, yeah, you can't write that. And, and it must be told because if it's not told, it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, I got some rapid fire randoms for you. We've had we've been on over an hour. I apologize for the length. It always happens. It's OK. Uh, but you seem like you're enjoying it. You got time. So rapid fire randoms. These are. Off the cuff questions that I usually uh, you can keep this post. going, but it doesn't have to be an hour. We can do a two parter. I got time. OK, beautiful. And and the thing is, I, I figured as much you might because I know your personality. So I got way more rapid fire randoms than you'd think. So let's see where we get. And after that, I'll have a couple more questions and I'll let you be on your merry way. OK, here we go. Rapid fire randoms. Death row meal. You're on death row. Obviously, you got one meal till you die. What is it? Aurora's Pizza from Sault Ste. Marie. Now we're going to go back. Okay. It's pizza. I, I forgot to ask you that. So you go on pizza crawls, no? Yeah. Yeah. So I heard of this. I, I remember you mentioned it and uh, I read somewhere. Maybe it was in a, maybe it was in a write up or, or a caption on your Instagram, but tell us what those entail in Sault Ste. Marie, a pizza crawl as opposed to a pub crawl. Well, my buddy actually, when I lived in Brantford, he, he came up to stay the night and I was like, there's a bunch of pizza places, but I don't, we can't get a pizza from every one. We'll fill up. So he's like, well, let's just go get a slice from every one. We'll do a pizza crawl, like a pub crawl. I was like, that's fucking brilliant. So we, we did it in Frankfurt. And then when I, I Sault Ste. Marie, it's literally, it's a hockey town, a steel town. But what people don't know, it's a fucking pizza town. Like yeah. there's a restaurant called Aurora's Pizza. What people would do is just work at Aurora's until they get the recipe, the secret recipe. Then they'll just fuck off down the street and they're open, they'll open up their own pizza place with the Aurora's recipe. So there's like fucking five or six of these fucking pizza places in the Sioux with uh. the exact same recipe almost that are flourishing. They're killing. They're making a ton of money. And this is a town with only 75,000 people. So I see. I now, when I go back home to the Sioux, instead of like going to a, like, I'm 43 years old. I can't be going out and getting smashed all night. Like the old days, everybody has kids. So we get on our bikes and we do a pizza crawl. So we'll go, we'll, we'll drive to the one site. Like we'll go to Aurora's, have a slice of pizza, drive our bikes, go to Mrs. B's, have a slice of pizza, go to, you know, and we just keep doing that. And then I was wondering, and- yeah, watching your stories every once in a while, when you go back to the Sioux, I'm like, God, he's, 
that another pizza joint? And and, and it's not York. only pizza. <laughs> do it in New York City. Oh, I'd love to do that. I love New York City. I don't get there enough. New York City, and we we did a Google search of all the best pizza places, and we just went to each one. We spent like sixteen hours eating pizza, and it's a good way to you literally walk off that slice of pizza by the time you get to the next pizza, so you don't end up being a ball of shit by the end. Boomer, I'm gonna have my first pizza crawl in Toronto uh, on November fifth. It's gonna be a Friday. I'm gonna have a few beers at the Leafs game the night before. I hope you're around. I I'll do wow. a See, that I could do because I'm a second class citizen right now. So I'm not actually allowed to go in the restaurant and eat, but I'm allowed to get takeout. So we can do, we okay, can do a pizza crawl. Pizza crawl within two weeks. I like it out of nowhere. Uh, if you had one superpower, what would it be? Oh. Ooh. I don't know. That's a tough one. Uh, unlimited strength, maybe? Unlimited you know? strength. Like yeah. Hulk, Hulk? Yeah, I, I guess think. I'd go with Hulk strength. Uh, like, and would it be on a whim like Hulk or just like all the time? You don't have to get mad. You're just walking yeah. around and you're yeah, like. Yeah, anytime I see a 5,000 pound anvil, I could just like lift it up. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I was thinking like saving a bus full of people, but I guess, yeah, you go around lifting up anvils and stuff. That would yeah. be great. Just go around yeah. doing feats of strength all over Toronto. That would be interesting. Or memorizing. If I could memorize, like, unlimited memorizing. That's what I'd like. Like that girl who used to be on Taxi, Mary Lou something. Have you ever seen this? She remembers everything. There's something in her mind. Evolution takes us to a point, apparently, that, um, you know, it's good to forget things. But whatever it is, there's a small, small percentage of people that have this. She, You could say August 22nd, 1993, and she'll say, okay, and she'll take you right through the day, like pinpoint. Oh, yeah. Uh, is, that, is that a photographic memory? Well, there's photographic, and then this is called something else. It's almost like a disease. Like, they're missing part of the brain that blocks that. So their memory is, yeah, not like an elephant, like better than it's, it's. Photographic, I think, is one thing. That's having a really good memory. And I guess the way I took it is, you know, if you remember a song, who sings it by looking at the back of the CD? Oh, you're taking your, I, I took that like that's a photograph that you're remembering. I could be wrong, but this is this is insane. This is any day of her life. She remembers everything as if it's happening right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is, what it's called. I don't know anybody else that has it. She had red hair and she used to be on taxi. Look into it. <laughs> but it is, it is interesting. Would you chop off two fingers for a chance to time travel? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, because I just like travel into the future and get my fingers attached by some fucking wicked dog. Well, you can only go on one trip, so you could go... To the future, you could go to the dinosaurs. You could go see what Jesus was up to. You told me you didn't tell me it'd be one trip. Yeah, it's one trip, but no one else has ever done it, right? So it'd be really interesting, and you'd get to come back. And I, I guess trip, I can't even come back. Well, no, it's it's, it's a it's a two way trip, but you can't do it twice. You've got like Bill and Ted's. <laughs> you got that machine, and you, it can only be used one more time. Okay, well, get your questions, fucking. <laughs> okay, yeah, I should have known. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, I guess I would. Yeah, I'd, I'd take out two digits. It's a couple so. of fingers. Yeah. Would you go yeah. into outer space if given the opportunity? No, fuck that. I see that going on right now. It's just like I instantly think 1986 Challenger explosion. I'm like, no. For what? For what? What am I going to fucking see? Like, oh, wow. Pictures of the world that I can see on the Internet. St. Bond School. We were all sitting around the TV when that happened. Everybody in anticipation. 
I think because I think she was she was the first teacher teacher to go into I'm space, sorry. like non astronaut. She was a teacher, and we sat there. And you want to talk about a room full of awkwardness because we we were we weren't old enough to really be sad because we didn't really know what was happening. It was like grade four or something. But I hate to laugh yeah. at this, but I mean, it happened thirty years ago. Everybody dies. What are you gonna? So, um. Anyway, I remember that Brother Estrada was my teacher. I went to a Catholic school, and uh, that's the way it was, though. It wasn't a private school. They were separated here by de- religion. It was denominational. So, yeah, we're, anyway, we're the same age. We're both yeah. 77. Are you 77? 77. Yeah. You remember? You know what I mean? Like, when you heard that, it's not like, yeah. it, you know, now there would be some level of sadness to it. Well, a lot more of a level. At that, I'm not saying we weren't, but we watched it. Everybody was so happy, and... That we were all every class was in, in there with a TV and we like broke it. You know, it was a big deal back in the day to if a TV got wheeled into the room, you knew something was happening. It was going to be a bit of fun. Right. Rear projection television set. That would be like a pizza day or a hot Yes. Day. Any day you walked in and the projector was already there or like the TV's being wheeled in with a VCR. You're like, woo, what a day this is going to be. They used to use it would like shoot the, the paper onto the screen. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Clear paper that they put on. I forget they, what that's called. It's some type of projector, but it's there's a name for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was also good times too when that happened. Anything, anything to break the monotony of the teacher walking around writing on the chalkboard. Absolutely. How many times have you ever eaten caviar? Never. I'm from Which, a soup. Literally white trash. I only had it one time, and it was at a buffet, if you can believe it. Uh, would you skywalk at Rogers Center? Uh, no, oh, no, at, 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 at the CN Tower. Sorry, but I would, I yeah, I'd do it at the CN Tower. Uh, never ever, you yeah, ever, I, you couldn't get me up there. You could just pay me a billion dollars, and I just wouldn't be able to do it. I'd pass out. I, my body wouldn't allow me to do it. It's that bad, eh? It's that bad. Yeah. Oh, well, I, we we went. I was in Dallas at the Dallas Stars camp, and we were this doing. Is in team, your book. Yeah, yeah, we were doing team building, and I they had to come rescue me. Yeah, good memory. Yeah, they had to come rescue me. I was just at the top of a telephone pole. I can't imagine. I just I go up in the CN Tower like to, to see and they're just like almost for the awkward adrenaline rush of it. And people are walking around on that glass floor and you wouldn't believe it. Like I got to crawl. I literally my instinct is to crawl around up there. I'm not kidding. I don't do it for show. I get right low to the ground like that's going to help anything if I fall a mile. We did um, that. The, the CN Tower has the glass floor. Yeah, I hate and it. Everybody was standing on the glass floor, and I went beside him, and I jumped, and I was like, "Ah!" And oh my like, god! Ah! And just he slowly just slithered into the floor, like, "Oh my god!" That yeah, that would ruin my dreams for a year. I think I don't think I'd ever get over it if I just actually. I got to crawl up and like peep my eyes out over it, just that floor, and there's kids out playing bouncy ball on it. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I just don't have the stomach for it. How many fish burgers have you ever eaten? Fish burger, like McDonald's. Like Anything. It could be a flail fish. Yeah. Around here, it's obviously a thing, but. Not many, but I would say a few dozen, you know. Okay. That's the most uh, of anybody yet. I asked that question once in a while. Uh, you have to go into space for a month. So this negates the first question, but let's just say, let's just say you agreed to go into space. Okay. For some reason, okay. it's for your family. Okay. You're, you're a month, a month straight. You got one other person. You're going to do it together. You, there's no fear here. You, you're being led by NASA, but you're up there to like, you know, check it out. Maybe do some observational stuff, some research. Now you're going to be with one person. Conan O'Brien, Joe Carter of Blue Jays fame, Jim Henson of the Muppets. 
or, or Harry Styles. Which one would you want to go with and spend that time? Conan O'Brien, Joe Carter, Jim Henson, or Harry Styles? Can I bring Steven Spielberg or is he not allowed nope. in? There? There's absolutely nobody else allowed in there. Just you and one of those people. Conan O'Brien. Like there's. I think he'd be the best company, wouldn't he? Yeah. And like, well, you can talk to Harry Styles about a bunch of stuff. Not, no disrespect to Harry Styles, but like Joe Carter, I could only talk about the home run and a few That's other it. things. Yeah, it'd be a one-trick pony. Joe Carter would start to get awkward after two days. Yeah. Because like, he'd be the like, third guy? Yeah. Oh, Jim Henson, but he's he's dead. So it would be, I we would have I, to resurrect somebody here. Bring him. Bring him and have his corpse and just have him floating around. And oh, think, yeah. Like, you would need, now, you know yeah. what? I'm going to give an exception here. You, if you had Jim Henson's corpse floating around with Conan O'Brien. Oh yeah, you definitely, because then we could be like doing like puppet things with them and stuff and have them yeah. floating around. And Oh yeah. Come to think yeah. of it, that'd be a good team. Joe Carter would be up there and then Harry Styles would be a bad uh, five. Some Conan O'Brien. Now, would you cut off a toe? You love and- cutting it off. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta write some questions every night before I, every night before I do these, I smoke a bit of a joint and I use like ten percent of the same questions and then add whatever else. And there's always a form. But yeah, you're right. I don't know why that sticks in my mind. You're the first to bring it up. You got your batting like thirty percent of your questions have to do with cutting fucking. I know, and there must be some. There you go. Question for my therapist. Okay, uh, would you cut off a toe and weave it or sew it onto your forearm? For $25,000 a month money tree. So there's a money tree in your backyard, three generations. You, um, your family for three generations gets a $25,000 a month money tree. But you have to sew on a toe and there's no like I can sew it on and take it off tomorrow. You're going around with a toe on your forearm. Yeah, a little toe? Yeah. Yeah. 25 grand a month for the rest of my life and my Well, family. it would be the big toe. No, fuck. I should have uh, wrong. You see? Uh, you Poor question fuck. again. Okay. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Little toe, forearm, 25 grand a month. Okay. And I uh, you, you, you get that deal because it was an error in questioning. What's your favorite time of the year to hike? hike fall. Fall. No questions asked. It's it's cool. It's crisp. Fall's my, my favorite time of year regardless. You know, it's it's nice and cool. You can go do stuff. You're not sweaty. If you do get a fire at work, it's not freezing winter. It's not super hot in the summer. Fall's perfect. Even the clothing, the fashion, you can wear a hoodie and sweatpants. The leaves are ch- fall, 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 fall. You just sold me on the fall. My favorite time of the year is spring, but uh, to hike. Yeah. The fall. You're right. Dude, all those reasons. Everything's cool. And the leaves you're walking through the forest with like autumn leaves. Leaves are nice. The scenery is definitely nice in the fall. Yeah. In the right time of the fall. Dude, Last spring. day of fall, I don't know, but give me mid sweet spot of fall. Give yeah, me that man. anytime. It's nice and new. Spring's all wet. Spring smells like you know when you, you smell like a fucking schoolyard in the spring that smells like kids well, shitting themselves. If I were to talk about one day in the spring and one day in the fall, okay, I'd probably take the fall. But the spring, what I like is that my general mood because the days are getting longer and I know that the snow and the fucking soot and sleet and everything is gone soon, and that's my reasoning. But Okay. Right to hike and the beauty and the, the, the you still get some nice days. The the leaves are big. I mean, what do you hike for? You hike for exercise, but also for the view. No, like I like hiking in places that there's a nice view. I live in a good place for that. Um, you got to change your name to one of these things. You have no choice. 
Steve, it's Steve. Well, you don't get that option, unfortunately, oh, in this world. Okay. You have to change it to one of these things. Freeze frame Phillips. Freeze frame Phillips. DJ Boom. Or Boom Daddy Bam Bam. <laughs> now you, you've got to be one of these things forever, right? And this, this is not like your DJ name. Your name yeah. would be DJ Boom, Freeze Frame Phillips, or Boom Daddy Bam Bam. Boom Daddy Bam Bam, just because it's so ridiculous. And then I'd, I'd start signing up for places where I know they're going to have to ask for my name, you know, like certain yeah. classes. And I just do that constantly for people's reactions. And if, if people wanted to shorten it to either Boom Daddy or Bam Bam, they're both, they're both I, pretty, they roll off the tongue. I think it's BDBBM. BBBBM. No, oh, could be. There. Now you could get real um BDB squared. Yeah, there's sexual, a bunch of sexual with isn't that isn't that some sexual thing though? On these That's sites, BB, all that stuff. I worked out at a gym in Toronto and there was an SM parlor in on the same floor. It was this cheap, shitty gym. It was like an honorary system where you go in, you put 20 bucks in a box. It was on like DuPont and Bathurst. Of course. And there's oh. You literally heard like because an SM lady rented out space beside the gym. So you'd fucking hear while you're doing arm curls, like respect Madam Jezebel or whatever her fucking name was like slapping and like guys like, no. And like guys uh, would be working out like some old guys didn't even bat an eye because she'd been doing it for like 15 years. I'm like, do you fucking hear this? Yeah, like I want it normal. Dude, it was fucked. Like I wanted to put my ear to the wall and just slowly chub up. Me and uh, David Ling one time. In Montreal, we were black aces and we weren't playing. So we went down to this bar and had a beer. And it just, we, you know, it just whatever bar it just looked like a bar. So we, we went in. I mean, it was a bar, but put the game on TV. So we're actually playing in the, but we already did our workout in the playoffs. It's awkward to be around after if you're not playing. So we, we said, we'll meet the boys after. We'll just, it wasn't far from the Molson Center. We went in for a beer to watch the game and we, we were going to order food. And some guy comes or some girl comes out from around the corner and she had this guy like a businessman type. I'm assuming he was dressed like that. He had a suit on. But they were like his pants were rolled and, and she was leading him around on a leash like she was a dog. And then she sat down and was having like a normal like conversation. Hey, where are you guys from? And we're like, oh, we're from Atlanta, Canada. How and Buddy spoke up and she's like, shut the fuck up. Speak when spoken to. And it, it was so weird that we left. I was like, man. I wanted to get in and see that, but I felt like at any point, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, you know, are, kid, are they going to put us to sleep and sell our kidneys? Like, I don't know. It was just a weird, weird atmosphere. This guy was totally cool. She was just sitting there having a drink, watching the game, and he was on his hands and knees uh, with a leash. And like nothing, I'm sure sex was about to happen or something. It was that kind of place. But it, like, it was just, it, it appeared normal. He was just on a leash. Jesus. I know. I know. It was part of the day. I don't know what was happening in the back room. I don't know if it filled up. What would have people are dressed up like gimps? I don't know. But it was the weirdest shit I ever saw. And like four minutes from like the Peel Pub. Where was this? It was in Montreal on right on St. Catherine Street, too. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's for uh, Hamilton Steelhawks now, eh? Linger's back playing. I think yep. he played for Hamilton Steelhawks. Well, yeah, he played. He played played senior a couple of years after he was done. He's a, he played in the East Coast. He played for Brampton until just a couple of years ago, until the pandemic. Yeah. 43, 44 is last year. Doesn't surprise him. me. Great, great hockey player, great athlete, and he'll stretch it to the limits. He's still good, too. Yeah. Um, by that, I mean his career. You know, he's still playing at senior, but he's still playing. Uh, would you rather tour with Springsteen or do a movie with De Niro? Oh, movie with De Niro. Uh, I don't know. Springsteen I'm like the rare guy like 
I like the, like I don't like his old stuff, but I like the there's no angel gonna greet me. Yeah, yeah. That one, the Philadelphia. I, I toss, yeah, I know that's a great song. The wrestler. I know he's got He's got so much, and we are kind of like it's starting to happen. Where I used to say that just as a layup, you know, is Bruce Springsteen, but now even you know I'm, I'm still playing senior hockey myself. If you can believe it. We have practice tonight. I'll get in there. If I put on Springsteen, less than half the room is even intrigued at all. Oh yeah, like that's like, like what parents' music. Yeah. I like, I, I respect them, but fuck De Niro movie with De Niro. Any any like. Would you trade faces with Danny DeVito for a million dollars right now, straight up? You got to trade faces and you got to trade for three full years. A million bucks? A million bucks with fucking inflation nowadays is fucking nothing. Fuck that. And I, no disrespect to it's Mr. It's only DeVito. three years. It, but even like, and I like Danny DeVito. I don't think like that's, that's a, like a, a hindrance <laughs> to my beauty. No, you know, I, I don't I, think I, he's ugly. I just, you know, it's a different face. It's much different it than your face. It would probably be an upgrade for my face. But just the fact that like a million bucks nowadays is nothing. So it's like the process, you know, like you got to go get that done. Like you're probably out of commission for like fucking um, three months. And what about $15 million? $15 million, yeah. And is it like a face swap? Or is it like you got to fucking get everything untapped? Like three years in this world, you go in. Um, if you order a ham sandwich and a Coke that they'll, they'll have it done lickety split in an hour, in one yeah. hour, 15 million, it's a restaurant slash face removal place. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 15 million done for three years. You can live to be 140, but at 90, you have to cut off your dick and balls. Would you do it? How's my life though? Like I go to calls where the guy's fucking 100. you're 90, you're 90. You're like Clint Eastwood. You can function, but you're walking around You're you're hanging on to an acting career. You're, you're, you're good. You're healthy for a 90 year old, but you remain that way for 50 years, but you got to cut your dick and balls up. How's my 140? I'm still a 90 year old, like a functioning yeah, man. You're 140. You look like you did at 90. Nah, fuck it. It's, yeah. I think at my 90, I, I've, I've experienced life. By 140, all my friends, everybody I know would be dead. You know, you'd have no, you'd be like 50 years of fucking pain and solitude. Fuck that. True. I never looked at it from that point of view. You no, know, you know, it would be alive. You try to hang out with young people like that fucking old crazy guy with Danny DeVito's face wants to hang out with me. True. Would you name, would you <clears throat> go by the name of Darth Dickhead for $470,000 for the next year? Where did you get this number? I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> I was stoned. <laughs> And I'm I'm surprised I didn't have to chop a body part off. So uh, Darth <laughs> Dickhead for four hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Five years though, five years. You got to be Darth Dickhead. Five like four seventy a year or fucking four seventy a year. Yeah, sorry. Oh fuck yeah, why not? Darth when Dickhead. do you when do you say your name? The only time I'd I'd actually do that, and then I'd speed on purpose to get pulled over by cops just to show my ID that I'm <laughs> Dickhead. Fantastic answer. Uh, you have to quit one of these things. Okay, first of all, this racket sport that you're playing, is that racquetball? What is it? Squash, but I don't really play. Me and okay. Peter Anthony just did it to shoot that short film. Oh, okay. I didn't that know. That. That Would you rather quit your hockey, and that includes fandom, everything, everything that's you know ever playing again, uh, fandom, golf, or uh, golf, biking, or pizza? So hockey as like, and that pertains to anything to do. You can't, you don't, you know, you can't ever know what the Leafs are doing. Like Austin Matthews is Danny DeVito. Uh, you know, 
you, you don't even you, you can't even immerse yourself into hockey at all. The only time you see the Toronto Maple Leafs is on a billboard uh, or the Sioux Greyhounds. You can never go to a game again. You can never step on the ice. Or would what you? Pizza, hockey, pizza, golf, pizza not pizza. hockey, golf, pizza, biking. Biking, I love too. Fuck yeah! I guess golf. You know, I didn't golf last summer, okay. so yeah, I guess I kind of already am doing that. Put these Joes in order: Joe Pesci, Joe Torre, of Yankees fame, and Joe Rogan. In order of what? Like uh, alphabetically? Who you want to sit there and have a beer with after work? Uh, Joe Rogan, number one. I'd love to fucking you know uh, talk to him. Uh, Joe Pesci and Joe Torre. Joe Torre would be at the end. Joe Pesci would be number two. Okay. Um... Like, hey, what, what, what would yours be for that? Rogan's got to be number one. He's just. I listen like, to Rogan's podcast. I think he gets a bad rap. They paint him as this far right guy, but he, he often does. has science to say. He's, he's, I find him right in the middle. He takes everybody's opinion. It's all these fucking mainstream media. Like, Horrible. he's made me open my eyes to mainstream media. Like, you literally watch CNN now. I'm like, holy shit, they're lying again. You know, it's like, wow. It's, it's both. The, the right. Thinks he's left and the left thinks he's right because he's in the middle and he's just talking. So he offends someone on both sides every week. Uh, I love- yeah, I know. I love when he has the scientists on and, and really. You learn a ton from these people and they're like, you're listening to Joe Rogan. You're going to listen to his advice. I'm like, I'm listening to the scientist or the doctor or he he's just the conduit of these people's knowledge, you know. Completely agreed. Completely. I think he's gets the bad. And for someone that's so popular and got such a big podcast, you'd, you'd think people would be more informed. But see, people are watching the five minute YouTube clip of a, of a three hour interview. Right. And it, anyway, I think he's one of the best at what he does. So you've taken too many mushrooms. You have to either go down a ski slope, skydive or do the skeleton at the Olympics kind of thing. That luigi skeleton thing. So skydive, ski, ski slope or skeleton but you're all fucked up. You've taken six grams of magic muffin. Oh, fuck, I've been there. That sucks. Well, I went to the 2010 Olympics, and I remember the guy in the skeleton or luge dying, and he's a pro. So I'm not doing that. Okay. And I remember skydiving, fucking people die all the time. And skiing, I grew up skiing. So I've skied on mushrooms, not six grams worth, but I've skied on a few grams of mushrooms, and I'll take skiing any day of the week. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Ski- I would have picked picked that too for similar reasons, but uh, I just because I think I could control myself the most. And <laughs> I don't know go- on a skeleton going down that fucking thing. You don't know how to do it. Like no, I, I can't imagine. I think that would freak me the fuck out. I think I'd pass out or have a heart attack before the end. Dude, I like- wouldn't even take mushrooms and toboggan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good way. Good way to put it. Me neither. Um, which Smurf would you be if you had to be a Smurf? I don't even know, like, what is Smurfette? Papa Smurf? Like, Brainy, I don't even... Smurf. Brainy Smurf, Jokey Smurf, Strong oh, okay. Smurf. There's one Smurf. As the years went on, it jumped the shark. So there was, like, remember Nature Boy Smurf, like Tarzan Smurf? And then, yeah, and then the Smurfs went black if they got bitten by the wrong person or the wrong really? Smurf. Yeah, they're, they're in the, I, got a, I got the whole collection, so there are a lot of Smurfs, yeah. Magic Smurf. <laughs> Just, yeah, I got the whole collection. There's grandfather all- Smurf came in towards the end. Grandfather, and he was like Papa, except he had a yellow hat, and he was even older. Really, like like the man with the yellow hat and Curious George, kind of. Except this guy was a Smurf, and apparently, until that point, Papa Smurf had all the knowledge, and then all of a sudden, Papa Smurf, Gargamel, you know, had to 
Smurfs in a soup again, and Papa couldn't save the day, so Grandfather Smurf came in. Jokey Smurf. He used to go, hey, remember he used to go, hey, look, this, t- this time, this time there is really a present in, in the box, remember, in the gift box, and people would open it, it'd always be a bomb. It'd blow up in their face. Do you remember that? Uh, I don't really remember the Smurfs. I, like, wow. I remember the song a bit. I remember Gargamel. He used to, like, hide in the cloud and stuff. Well, well I guess- did he? I, I thought Gargamel was just a regular wizard that was in the forest with Ezreal. I don't think he was in the clouds. Good call. <laughs> Do you remember the horse's name in the never-ending story? I can picture it right now. I don't remember his name, though. Okay, that's, that's my question to you. Oh, well, what is it? You I don't know. have the answer? <laughs> okay. Artex. Artex, you're sinking. You're sinking, boy. What's your favorite song from the 1970s? Ooh. Uh, was Lover Boy out in the 70s? No, that's early 80s. Early 80s. You just missed. I'm sure they were. They were on a college circuit somewhere. Like, favorite one from the 70s that I. St- oh, fucking uh, ACDC, either Jailbreak or It's a Long Way from the Top. Long Way to the Top. You got to rock and roll. Or, uh, there's some good metal in there, too. I think. Uh, Live Wire might be 1979. Definitely. It's 70s. I got, I got it on a 70s compilation. <laughs> like yeah, back in the day. Yeah, when you I love metal. You know, I love anything with a, a jiggy, 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 jiggy. All oh. those. I, I got into all that because, um, or back in the day, remember the big decision that doesn't have to be made anymore, but you'd go and like, remember the first time I heard Live Wire, I'd be like, now do I buy it on a compilation or is the band good enough that I'll buy the CD? Uh, you know, like the first time I heard Green Day, I'm like, will I buy the album? But yeah, I know. Right. And then that's the way you used to kind of do a deep dive. Go to HMV, spend the afternoon, go to the listening station. Oh, okay, I do like Black Sabbath. But, you know, and I used to really enjoy that process. It's lost now because you were bands were forced to make a true album, not just a few singles, you know, like to like never mind. Nirvana. Yeah. I was out there. Can you imagine? I was out there in fucking outside oh, of Seattle yeah. and all that was like happening. Yeah. I but saw them once and I wish I could. Uh, yeah. Any of those fucking like there's band, there's there's albums from beginning to end are just fucking awesome. And song order meant something. Uh, I was talking yeah. last week and I I, I kind of just fell into it by accident, but on uh the Rolling Stones, Let It Bleed. I believe it opens with Gimme Shelter and it closes with You Can't Always Get What You Want. And the order meant the Beatles. I mean, I know all the Beatles albums. That was definitely the case because I read the books. But, you know, it really meant something. The order of the songs and to go back even further with the vinyl, both sides told a story often. And it's re- that's totally lost. I mean, albums oh, technically come out. Most people, though, it's just about Spotify playlists. Yeah, that's gone. I love the whole process. Even going to Blockbuster and renting a movie. Where you um, watch the whole movie because you rented, you paid six bucks for it. Now it's like you put on Netflix, you watch 10 minutes, like, fuck this. Every Thursday, okay, every Thursday from eight in the morning till midnight, so pretty much the whole day, you turn into a cartoon character. You can't do anything about it. Your life's going to be normal. It's going to go on, but you're going to be a cartoon character on, on Thursdays. Who would that be? Uh, Lionel from Thundercats. Wow. Never, you could have given me 300 guesses. I would never have guessed that. But uh, you seem very confident in uh, that answer. So, what's uh, the reason? 
I just I remember watching Thundercats as a kid and the song at the end, it had a guitar solo and I was like fucking eight years old and I was so passionate about playing air guitar because it was like thunder, 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 cats. I actually looked it up on YouTube about two years ago. I'm like, I wonder if that fucking song with the guitar solos on there. Sure enough, I found it. It's awful now. But being a kid, oh my God. I also had a huge crush on Lady J. Like, remember, were you ever a kid and had a crush on a cartoon? How fucked up that was? Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. I, I, some of my first sessions were with Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. See, I never did that. Like, dude, there's a whole, dude, Arnie, stop. Stop talking. <laughs> my dog's losing his mind. But, dude, there's like, on Pornhub, when I go on Pornhub, there's a whole section for like anime. Like, dude, loads. Jack it's loads. Yeah. Who jacks off to cartoons? That's a fucking thing. And how do they get like Family Guy and The Simpsons and stuff? How do they do that? I guess it's just someone that, they, you know, they just superimpose or they, whatever the word is. They add their own. Uh, how do you get the trademark? Animation? Like, like, yeah, that's illegal. And more importantly, how do you get in the mindset to jack off to that? Well, you know, like when I was 14, it was pretty it could have been 15. Jessica Rabbit, because there was a lot going on. But I mean, I used to like, you know, before <laughs> when it's becoming a thing, you don't really know what's turned you on and what's not. You don't know why Jessica Rabbit was every bit uh pamela anderson to me but as you get older no i, I look at it and i'm like how it's a cartoon i don't oh, get it dude i remember when i was in high school young blood was my porno because of the sex scene with uh, yeah. cynthia Gibb. with the uh, I, I was that lady to go from flaccid to hard to come in under the time it took like as soon as that sex scene came on and Miss McGill was making the Sunday to go up and interrupt them. I was able to fucking go from limp to hard to come two minutes done by the cherry on top. I was that that's how good I was as a kid. You know what? Yeah, I, I can't say exactly the timing, but I definitely uh, I definitely jerked off to that scene, for lack of a better you ever word. Jailhouse vaginas. I was asking this to like people and they're like, what are you talking about? where you grab a glad bag and you put Vaseline in it and put it in the microwave for no more than like three seconds. That's key. You don't want to go any longer than that. But then you put it between your box spring and your mattress. I didn't so know that. You made like a little vagina and then you just sit there and bang it. I was like 14, 15 in my sexual prime. I used to destroy those. Totally would have done it. Totally would have done it. Just never uh, didn't even think about it. Wow. I'm learning a lot from this, you know. That's the thing. You come home, you're in your sexual prime. I used to come home from school just looking for things to fuck. Like, I'd be in the drawer. I'm like, what is that, a frying pan? I can't fuck that. Like, Kleenex box, you take all the Kleenex out. You got that little, I used to do those in. I was fucked. Like, I, took, I, I took a blow-up doll on the road in the NHL. Darcy Tucker was my roommate. He'll tell that story sometime. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I, 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 I literally, I'm like, I'm young. I don't want to go out to the bar tonight. I don't want to be caught out and drinking and everything. Like I don't. He's like, yeah, but what do you got in the fucking box? I was like, what? It's a blow up doll. We took a train to Ottawa because the game, you know, Montreal, Ottawa is right there. Anyway, yeah, he got a kick Did out you of buy that. A seat for the blow, like, was it like? Yeah, I was just like, I just had it around just in case. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys can laugh, but I'm like, you know, I'm young. I can't afford to go out where you guys will be smelling like booze tomorrow. So my plan <laughs> was, yeah, and you know, Montreal, they're everywhere. Every second store at that time, even now you know, is a strip club or a sex shop. So we were just out, you know, I just bought it. In. I bought it in a little place in Montreal that was like attached to a Rubens restaurant. Like it was crazy. I know that's the way it is though. Montreal is very sexualized. Well, um, would you keep it blown up? 
Or would like anytime you had the urge to masturbate, you'd have to spend 20 minutes blowing the fucking thing up. I didn't I didn't end up liking it, but yeah, yeah, it didn't take long to blow up. It didn't take long. You know, I just turned on the highlights or something. Back there was more more labor went with everything. I don't know. I just toss on the TV and blow it up. Didn't last long. Foreplay. Don't I'm mind admitting I had it, but it, what? That's your foreplay. Yeah, but to, to, to be honest with you, the hot water might have felt better. Like it did. I I'm all about it. I don't mind admitting that I used it, but it didn't work. Like it wasn't. I don't know. It was like if you if there was a hole in the wall, it wouldn't necessarily. People say, oh, like glory hole. Okay, but not that I've used a glory hole, but we all know what they are. But you're not actually using the wall for friction. Like this hurt. You know what I mean? Like it was. Oh yeah, I can bet. Especially yeah. One of those ones from like the late nineties, they weren't quality like they are today. No. And like, if, if I recall correctly, it busted after like the third time, like it was just, it was a big balloon that was, yeah, it, it was a balloon. There was no reinforced. It was, it, it was a balloon with, it felt like I was screwing a piece of wood. Like it, it was chafing. It, it was horrible. And you're judging me for hammering out my mattress when I was 15. You're banging yeah. balloons with eyelashes. I don't know that I'm judging, but uh, maybe, maybe subconsciously. Okay, so every time that you go upstairs the rest of your life, up or down, there's going to be a song play, and it's just going to come on. And it's like your theme song when you're going upstairs. It's not really your theme song, but you can't get away. For the rest of your life, escalator, no. Elevator, no. Walking around, no. But every time you go on stairs, immediately a song kicks in, kind of like a walk-up song in baseball. Like, it's loud. Everybody hears it. I, the thing is, I live in a, a 600 square foot townhouse flat, so I don't really have any stairs. No, it doesn't have to be in your flat anywhere. You go to a movie, there's going to be stairs. If you go to a building, you might have to walk upstairs. So every oh. time the rest of your life, you use stairs. I don't mean in your building. Oh, OK, OK. Then uh, Bill Conti going to fly now. Wow. From Rocky. Yeah, well, it makes sense, you know, the Rocky, the Rocky Stair song comes on when I walk upstairs. What's the most you've ever eaten in one sitting? Ooh, sushi. Like, oh, man, I'm a glutton. Like, that's my thing. Like, a lot of people, like, some people are addicted to drugs or booze or food. Like, I work hard at, I work out just so I don't become a slob. Like, there's Fat Jeffrey and Lean Jeffrey. And Fat Jeffrey, I work at him not showing his fucking face because I, I'm a glutton, dude. You like, do. I'll, you eat a fucking lot, man. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen somebody just absolutely love food and dive in just I like you to, do. I have to intermittent fast just so I don't eat because I'll eat all fucking day. Like, I'll eat, I've eaten two large pizzas at once. I've eaten 100 pieces of sushi. I've eaten 100. Like, Halloween's out. Those little fuckers, they come out with those fucking 50-piece boxes of chocolate, the little tinies. I'll rip through 50 of those like it's nobody's business. Jars of peanut butter. A jar of peanut butter has like 5,600 calories. A pound. To lose a pound of fat, that's 3,500 calories. So you almost have to like, you go on the bike for an hour, that's 500 calories. That's one week to burn half a jar of peanut butter. And I eat fucking three jars of peanut butter a week, man. It's unbelievable. You do some going, though, just in the regular day. Even if you're not in the gym, you're active, man. You're active. You're active. I've noticed. By the way, I, I enjoy. I love food too. I don't. I think you take it to the next level. But I've, um, I intermittent fast for this for the same story. Yeah. I, I heard it's healthier. I actually Joe Rogan again listening to that podcast. I listen to some people that are you know, and, and I always thought intermittent fasting it can't be healthy, but apparently it's good for you. Your body needs to be, you know, 
throughout evolution, the way I understand it, we've often been starving and we need to have that feeling to keep it. And it's, it's just better for your system. Think about it. Like it's only in the last few hundred, like last hundred years, that guys have had fridges, you know, yeah. where you can go and grab food whenever you want. You were forced intermittent fast just because it's like, all right, well, we're going to go hunting and hopefully in 16 hours we'll find something while well, you guys go find some berries and grass and shit, and then we'll eat as much as we can. And, and it was, we'll it was, it was central to our survival. Yeah. And, and now but we now, sit here with access to anything we want. I know. Well, breakfast, the, the, the saying breakfast is the most important meal of the day was created by the food companies to sell their breakfast cereals. And I thought that for years, man, for years, <laughs> I thought that. Yeah. Like it, it's so, when you start looking into shit like that and people are like, ah, oh, it's a conspiracy. It's like, it's really not like, it's just business business. Yeah. Makes they, they want money and they, they don't give a fuck. They'll do whatever they got. Like, look at the, the obesity rates in the States. Like people uh, are huge. Huge. I was, I was um, kind of related. I was doing a course, I guess almost a decade ago now in university. And um, it was on this, you know, the advertising and marketing. And there was, I remember McDonald's had this burger and they called it a hundred percent. It wasn't that long ago, hundred percent Angus beef or whatever, but yeah, but it wasn't. And I was like, geez, it's weird that you could lie. And, and the prof was like, no, but they're not. The name of the company that they use is 100% Angus beef. Well, you're eating yeah. this shit. But the name of the company, so they're not wrong. But no. the public is led to believe that that there that I'm eating. And I always yeah. used to find it out. I'm like, what? How the fuck can I be eating a Big Mac and have 100% Angus beef? But they advertised that for years. They didn't get called out on it. Technically. And then, you know, I don't know. I'm not saying it was just that, but you, you, you always got to assume that each company has an angle and, and you got to look at it from all uh, all angles dude what? i oh go ahead well no no no. you go ahead and then i'll I, I only got one more question for you so okay i was going to tell you a hockey story but i'll do the question well you can tell me the hockey story all right fucking uh, I, I i always wanted to tell you this story in like dude i never played junior i never played pro i played you know house league and then high school hockey Yep. And in high, we went to a, a tournament in Lively, our high school team. It's just outside of Sudbury. Yep. And our coach, literally the coolest fucking guy in the world. He was probably like 24 at the time. He booked us at a strip club. So like our hotel was in a strip club bar and we had, we were like 16, 17. We had like the track suits and everything. So we all sat around the fucking bar with our big fake IDs and like drinking beers. Half the team gave the coach and the assistant coach their money because they were young and they didn't want to waste it and spend it. Meanwhile, the fucking assistant coach and the coach are fucking buying lap dances for everybody, blowing everybody's meals so the poor kids couldn't eat breakfast the next day. Oh, fuck. It was so bizarre. Like, it could be a movie. Just this three days. Like, the coach dressed his best friend who was 30. It was a 30-year-old paramedic, fully bald, in a high school hockey game because he wanted to give his friend, he never played hockey growing up. He wanted to give him that fucking once in a lifetime. Uh, he dressed our, our, our trainer water boy who was 25 years old, couldn't skate threw him in the game. We had, he rented us a stripper in the dressing room before the game. He's no. like, swear to God. He's like, guys, Here's your pregame talk. And he pushed play. And I remember the song. It's like, I want you to love me. I want. And then we're like, what the fuck? And then this girl comes in, takes off all her clothes. Guys are like, she's squatting on her gloves and stuff. And we're like, yeah, you know, 16, 17, losing our minds. He fills up the clear water bottles with Caesars. 
like fucking red drinks. So it's like blatant, like we're drinking booze. It was the most fucked up, bizarrest time of my life. In Sudbury, there was a six year rule where you're allowed to go to high school for six years. And so if you failed elementary school twice, you could be like 22 years old. (laughs) Wow. And I was never good, but my coach would send me out to do a job, he'd say, where I'd go fucking fight or stick someone. He was like, go take out 22. So there's like fucking, you know, second period, I go out and I hit him. I'm like, you ready to go? And the guy looks over and he has a full beard and I'm fucked. I barely had pubes. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so screwed. So as soon as they dropped the puck, I just hit him was over my head, over his head with my stick. He goes down, <laughs> out, out, completely out. Fucking people are freaking out. The, the, like the, the trainer comes on, they're trying to revive him and stuff. He wakes up like two minutes later, freaks out, throws a stick in the stands, starts a fucking fight in the stands. The ref comes over to our bench sees fucking the one player with his helmet off he's the paramedic he's 30 years old fully bald what the fuck looks at the drinks the kids are drinking fucking caesars wasted it's like what the fuck kicks us out of the fucking tournament like it ends up going back to like the principal and stuff the nuts yeah man it was so fucking wild like we all came together as a team we had a meeting because he was going to lose his job because he was a teacher at the school so we all came together because we had we got in, uh, interrogated. He would lose one his job one, now. One by one, one by one, just to make sure everybody's telling the story. And we all fucking came together and we lied as a team. There was no stripper. It was just fucking red Gatorade. There was no fucking, he didn't dress his best friend. I didn't, like, we all lied. And this guy ended up keeping his job and fucking, it was the best fucking time of my life, man. In a twisted way, that is just an unbelievably positive story. <laughs> in a, I know. I know. In the a twisted way. And for the era that we grew up in, that is a oh. real great story. Didn't win a game, but the team came together. Fuck. Gave me an idea, too. I'm going to uh, give me an idea to get a stripper in the dressing room for the boys when I'm gone. Never, ever thought about that before. You'd think that I would have seen that. It's never, it never happened. Um, okay. Kept you now for two hours. Uh, really? and I got to go myself. So one more, and it's been really intriguing. And, and, and I'm and, not letting you go, bud. This is how it is now. <laughs> yeah, you're just, I'm going to, I'm going to go. Okay. And signing off. And you're just going to still be there. I'm going to flip you up the computer at five o'clock go. and your face is going to be there. What, what do you have coming up in the future? What advice for anybody? Like just generally what's coming up now, other than pizza crawl with me in two weeks. Um, uh, what, what are your plans, uh, in say, for 2022 my goal my goal is to uh you know keep getting into acting i keep keep auditioning doing whatever i want to make a i'm working on doing like a firefighter like a comedy firefighter skits for youtube uh doing a podcast like yourself these are all the goals but i'm a talker not a doer uh i have an audition today i gotta go make a self-tape but uh yeah that's about it you know okay well listen it's been great to have you. I think the message, um, you know, normally this is, um, it's called a hockey podcast, but it's funny because I often come on and it's not like we did a deep dive into hockey, but I think, um, I, I think the dressing room is a microcosm for the real world. I've often said that and everything that you said resonates, especially the passion and the fight for your dreams. And these sound cliche, but you're again, you're living proof. You did it. You beat the odds, but the odds are only there because most people don't try. That's the way I look at it. Um, yeah. it's not, it, it's often 
it's often I'm not going to I'm really never going to use the word easy, but it's often less difficult to beat the odds than than one would think. And you will never know if you don't try that. You're the big advocate for that. You're an interesting guy. You've done a thousand different things, um, no matter how whatever got you there, whether it was a white lie or a bending of the rules or whatever. But you really get your feet on the ground. You're a grounded person. I really I'm happy to call you a friend and I, I can't wait to see you soon. So November 4th. To the 8th, I'm in Toronto. Eat any one of those days in the afternoon. Let's do a pizza crawl. I mean, what are you doing there? What are you, are you working? Well, no, I'm, I'm going to go up. I'm, I'm filming a TV show up in Sudbury, so I'm leaving to go on the 9th. So I just figured okay. there's a few things, you know, that it, it, Toronto in our industry, as you know, is like ground zero. So I'm going to do a couple of hockey interviews. Um, okay. You know, with like NHL satellite series, whatever it is. And then uh, I'm maybe there's a couple of people here that we the way it works in newfoundland if there's nothing happening here which there often is we got a bunch of different studios now there's four shows as we speak but a lot of people go back if i if i wanted to go see a jays game for example i fly up and maybe go a week early and spend some days on crew doing set dressing or something to get my trip paid for so there's a few loose ends that i'm going to tie up in in that world and and re kind of establish you know i'm part of the background acting world up there too and i like to come up so it's opening up and I need to go and see some people to make sure that my connection is solid because I love doing that. Love coming up to Toronto and, and you know for a weekend and getting it paid for it. That's what I'm doing up there for four well, days. Up, buddy, because uh, my buddy Kavanaugh is dying to meet you. He listens to he's read your books and listens to your podcast. He's like, let me come. He wants to come out and have beers with us. So okay, well, listen, this is a guarantee, and Ken the Killer Reed's going to be with us as well. Uh, stay tuned. Closer to, I'll send you a message. Thanks a lot for doing this. And I know uh, my listeners are really going to appreciate it because you're an intriguing guy uh, and a passionate guy. I won't keep you any longer. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I told you to be 45 minutes and we've been on for two hours and 10 minutes as it goes here on Tales with TR. Thanks a lot, Boomer. And we'll talk soon, my man. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Whoa, there you go. One of my longest in a while. Uh, Although all interesting, at least it was to me. And I knew a Boomer, but. Proof is in the pudding. Have you ever listened to a more passionate? Um, I guess you'll hear more passionate, but not much. A passionate person who's focused and determined. And I just love it. He tries everything and uh, whatever sticks to the wall. And then, you know, he uh, he certainly experienced a lot. And I respect him for it. Uh, okay. I think that's that's going to do it for Tales with Tierra, episode 74. It's been two and a half hours. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. I mean that. Um, here in Newfoundland, you might want to uh, check out Greensleeves, Downtown Uptown, TJ's Pub, Trinity Pub, all great spots, Wedgwood Cafe, Peter Wedgwood. What a chef, what a guy, what a friend. Check it out, catering. The restaurant's awesome on Elizabeth Avenue. Penny Posh, Women's Wear Reimagined, a great idea for uh christmas uh shoot me a note or my ex-wife danny ryan danny danny young i think danny young or danny ryan penny posh anyway go to pennyposhdesigns.com if you'd like something just uh send me a dm i'll get you a deal on it and throw in a book if you want my book for this holiday season please go to flankerpress.com uh i've been swamped i'm really busy normally i take the book hour uh, orders and i send them out but I'm swamped and I don't have enough time in the day. So for the time being, for this Christmas, what we're going to do, flaggerpress.com to get my book. And if you want it personalized, 
email eoldford at flankerpress.com, eoldford at flankerpress.com. And I just drop in there a couple times a week. I'll go, Ed, anybody ask for a personalized book? And I'll personalize it to you. This will save you money, I believe, because uh, otherwise I have to get to buy the book first. So if I'm the middleman, you're paying two different people. But So I usually charge $35, $40, depending where you are and sending it out to you. But you'll get it for at least $10 cheaper if you go that route. So flankerpress.com, Ed Oldford at flankerpress.com uh, for personalizations. And uh, it's been a hoot. Thank you very much to Boomer Phillips, my buddy. Thanks to uh, all my listeners. Have an unbelievable week. Hockey's off and running. I'm pretty excited about it. And uh, we'll see you here next week. Thanks again, everybody. We'll catch you on the rebound. This has been Tales with T.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R.R